0: The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing.
1: Previously on the Order 66 podcast. Welcome to episode one of the Order 66 podcast. Welcome, 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 Gamer
2: Nation. Six motors of Kung Pao chicken. Do you know who I am?
3: Uh, Yeah, you Dark Vodal.
2: Darth Vader.
3: You know, Einstein once said that God doesn't play dice with the universe, but whether that's true or not, he sure as hell is playing D&D right now with Gary Gygax. Fingers do hurt from, from you know. <laughs> you strap one on, I mean, fuck, oh, you really going to be able to whoa, move. Whoa.
1: Let's not talk about strapping them on. I love it. But
3: yeah, I mean, seriously, can you walk around with one of these things? <laughs> I hate you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Taco Cabana is the most poorly run organization. That reminded me of that movie Falling Down where the guy shot up the place. Hey, well, you know, you don't want to go postal. That could be pretty bad. I know, I know. But I was, ah, man, I was fit to be tied. Keep those rice rolling, Gamer Nation.
3: We will talk. Yeah, keep eating rice, Gamer Nation. I'm a little concerned just picturing that man living
1: in a, a double wide somewhere on, like, Best spin. Wonder Bespin. if they have
3: trailer parks in Star Wars.
1: Tatooine is about my equivalent of trailer park. That thing is just oh,
3: well, that would work. Yeah, you got, I could see I could see trailer parks on Tatooine. Tornadoes would start hitting. You know, tornadoes are attracted to trailer parks.
1: That's right, man. Tornado magnets they are. And we don't do. mean to offend anyone who lives in a trailer park, but I do. <laughs> if you take offense, stop listening. <laughs> we lost seven. We lost <laughs> all seven of our listeners right there.
4: <laughs>
3: Probably
1: those of you are waiting for me on a response on the forums about Wookies. I like Wookiees. Wookiees Wookies are the bomb diggity. If they, were, <laughs> if they were any more the bomb diggity, they would be illegal
3: in 37 states. As
1: long as they're illegal in the other 37 states. Uh, 20, 27. 30, 22.
3: Nothing is cooler than having a lightsaber duct taped to each wrist. That way you can have four. You can see you can hold one in hands and then the wrists and then if you two. No, you know, we're
1: just getting carried away. Run out today and get your roll of the mesh tape. I liked it. That was like the radio voice. It was, man. Hey. Yeah, very awesome. I can Today on the Order 66
3: podcast, hey! we've got new songs coming at you. Uh, no. 22 no.
1: in a row. No commercials. No. No. Just because you happen to hit it with your lightsaber and send it back, you know, I, we're not talking about baseball here where you're going to hit it farther or faster or whatever. It's a blaster bolt for Christ's sake. Gary,
3: um, uh, actually, uh, uh, Gary Asford, who's, who's one of the one of the developers, I'm working he with. says that yes, yes, you can. You can use it on yourself. Now. Rodney Thompson, who uh, is one of the developers that worked not only on Starships of the Galaxy, but also on the Core Rulebook. He says, No, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. How long have you been sitting on that?
1: <laughs> I've been sitting on that one since uh, uh, Monday, Tuesday, maybe. I mean, you it was. Hunk. Oh my God!
5: What? This is Rodney Thompson, game designer for the Star Wars role playing game at Wizards of the Coast, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast.
4: I don't have wages.
5: That's my two year old son, and he never listens to the Order 66 podcast.
6: This is Death MVP, and I would never listen to the Order 66 podcast because fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to an Order 66 podcast.
7: I
0: never listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm a Buffalo Sabres fan and I still remember the goal that wasn't. Matt chuck a chance. No, stop!
3: My platoon and me are on Kashyyyk this week, helping the glorious march of the Grand Imperial Army cleanse the galaxy of separatist and non-human scum. I know, oh, put the little
1: weenier in your... Oh,
3: clearly, in, in the face of, of, you know, awful rebellion actions and, you know, these, these terrorist groups that are just threatening the security of the galaxy. And I'm yeah. pleased, you know, to give yours and my support to the Emperor and his...
1: Established, valued, and, and truly just government. What, are you afraid that they're going to come and get me? With uh, my second flavor. Say, my bleh bleh. flavor? Flavor? What? Flavor? Your flavor it? Good lord. Oh, pudding for dessert in the clone missile.
2: I love
6: pudding. <laughs> you said do. <laughs>
2: <sighs> the
6: elite trooper. The Arnold Schwarzenegger of all the prestige classes get in the Get to the yeah.
2: chopper! the
6: chopper
3: mad! (laughs) (laughs) Memorial Day, which those of you who are not from this uh, large country they call the U.S. of A, is where we uh, celebrate all the soldiers who died in the various wars that our country has fought.
1: That's right. All you Frenchmen. Today's your day to give thanks.
3: Aw, that's a little cruel.
1: Well, that's the but first, I, I, actually, that's the second rule of French warfare, that the uh, French only win whenever they're helped by the Americans. This and, is very uh, true. the first rule <laughs> is that they only, uh, they only win when they fight themselves. So, you know, I got thrown out of a bar. And wouldn't it be nice if you could just exclude you from that damage? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was distracted. Tony Stewart just had a flat tire at the end of the race, and I'm pissed. Danica Patrick, who I'm secretly in love with, by the way, got wrecked in the pits by some freaking Scott Dixon, I think it was. Idiot. Oh! All I heard was Danica Patrick, love, dicks.
2: This is like goodness, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast with my clothes
1: on. Oh, okay. And he took issue with the fact that I uh, went through the rules of French warfare. You know, number one, you know, the French... Only win when they're not led by a Frenchman. Number two, they only win when America does most of the fighting. And number three, they only win when they fight themselves. But the first rule of French diplomacy is that never make a bargain with the French that you're not willing to pay for over and over again. I love the blue, blanc, and rouge. Uh, I've never emailed you, uh, either you or Dave,
3: before, but now I think I have worthwhile questions. Periodically, I go through my books. I look for new things to throw at my party, and there's a few things I've come across. Tomatoes. Not tomatoes. With salmonella. No, not with salmonella. <laughs> okay. I was um, talking
1: to Wyatt Earp the other day. <laughs> Where are you now? Yeah, it was a seance, dude. Don't make fun. Yeah, we were. And and uh, this old guy appears, and it turned out we we misfired a little bit, and we got the AARP. We got ARP. You got Wyatt Arp. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Did he tell you to get off his lawn? <laughs> he did. You don't, know, whippersnappers, get off my lawn! Get off my property!
3: <laughs> I'm Chris Tulock, and I never listen to the Order
0: 66 podcast.
3: At this point in time, I think everything is going to be a Taco Cabana incident. Like, if if crap happens in my life, I'm just going to refer to it as a Taco Cabana incident. If I break my leg, if I get in a car accident, if my my wife, you know, like, you know, gets a cold, it's going to be the Taco Cabana incident.
1: Even better than us? Even better than you guys. I, 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 yeah. Inconceivable. Inconceivable, I know. Why do you keep using that word? I do not think it means what you think it
8: means. The message is that there are no knowns. There are things we know that we know. There are known unknowns. That is to say, there are things that we now know we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns. There are things we do not know we don't know. What?
1: I do not understand. Yeah. Curry gives me the farts. That's lovely.
7: I'm Sterling Hershey, freelancer for Wizards of the Coast and the Star Wars role-playing game and miniatures game, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast.
9: Very all nice. right, unsuck unleashed. I don't know. I'm getting. I, t- uh, I thought we had I... named
7: it like during
1: 39. We had named it uh, episode 40, unleashing Vader's secret doomsdown. Who who was it? It was Sterling Hershey. That he, man. He had to do it like six times. Did he really? Yeah.
9: Yes, he did. See, now I'm competitive. If I can get it done under six times, then. Okay. All well, right. Let's try okay,
1: this. Okay, but now this. now Rodney did it first time out. So.
9: Oh <laughs> damn it! <laughs> damn it. Okay. All right. Let's see how this goes. It's on now. All right. Hey, this is Sam Whitwer, and I never listen to the Order Sixty Six podcast.
1: That's way too easy. Yeah, see? boom, easy. Did you see how I that happened? That's <laughs> take one. I know that was easy. that was really simple. Of that's course, now yeah, I'm I know. You
3: be We're all that with that
9: lacked suck.
1: Nice with, with the what? Nice with the lack I of suck.
9: Try to lack. take as much suck out of it as I could.
1: You know, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> next time we'll get you. Well, next time we'll get you to like tell us who you are and like put a funny thing at the end. Oh, and, you know. You know Yeah, you're right. There was no
9: personality in that, was there? Like, zero.
1: No, this is Sam Whitwer, and...
9: uh... I bring (laughs) Unsuck to my... uh, What? What? There's nothing. I got nothing. I had nothing there. I had nothing, but I went for it.
1: That's all right. I failed.
9: We can do another one. Hey, we can always do another one, dude. All right, all right. This is Sam Whitwer, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Uh, (laughs) your Your mom... Boom! Yeah, boom! Yeah. boom. Did you see that? That was like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, look. You hear that bumper? Asses and seats.
1: A new edition of Storm Pooper, Tru- Storm Pooper Truetry. Do you like? <laughs> <laughs> you like that one, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I am Nicholas, and I don't know listen to the podcast
10: this is alex van D, and that was my son and i wish he listened to the order 66 podcast but he's only three years old so i guess i'm gonna have to wait
0: We've been open for a year, and we're having us a sale. So you need to come on down to Toshy Station 24-hour, fly through Pond Blaster, Speeder, Park Cybernetica, and go get Bounty Hunter discount Jedi Outlet. You need to get yourself a limited edition Order 66 collectible anniversary tunic. While you're here, we got got Burgers, Trill Tech, Cable Lines and Wax. 42 flavors of Edible Hut loungewear, and slightly used fixed rubber TIE Fighters. That means a complete tool set to trillion certified and Imperial-standard Hydrospanders, mesh tape, power bars, data cores, and Droid loop for the kids. All the selection, none of the rejections, So come in person, see us in our HoloNet data store. We got what you need here at Tashi Station. Twenty-four hour fly-through plasma blaster, speeder Park, cybernetic, adult gift, bounty hunter discount, Jedi outlet. Tashi, Tashi, what the Empire needs just outside your head on Tatooine, off the Corellian Run.
1: Gentlemen, GM Brev here, calling in to leave his bumper. Fifty episodes, been fantastic. Glad to hear you all are doing it. Even though I'm not listening to the
6: Order sixty six podcast. But if I were, I'm sure it would be filled with some crunchy goodness, some squishy
1: bits, some nice fluff, and of course the wonderful vocal stylings of two great guys who have really dedicated themselves to the last year of bringing some fun-filled excitement to the world of Gaming Nation and certainly brought in a few of us along with them. But I don't listen to it. Just make sure you're clear on that. All right, guys. Good luck, and here's to the next year. Bye
6: and now a holonet news update dateline outer rim one year anniversary celebration or calamity this is piotr russert reporting the order 66 podcast has reached the one year milestone citizen obi quoted as saying if this broadcast continues it will demoralize and give comfort to that separatist scum more as it
7: develops
1: D20 Radio, your gamer's role.
10: 20 radiocom <laughs> Execute order
6: 66.
1: Been a year, Gamer Nation. Welcome back. This is January 11, 2009, and you have found the Order 66 podcast, episode number 50, our one year celebration. I'm your host, GM Dave, and with me I have a collection of individuals that have had a profound impact over the course of the last year on the Order 66 podcast. First and foremost, my partner in crime, GM Chris.
3: What is up, Gamer Nation? It is IGM Chris. And uh we we have uh well, dude, I'm I don't know. I'm a little nostalgic. It's been a year uh since we 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 put up our very first broadcast. Yep. So we have some celebration to do today. And we have some people with us to help us celebrate. To begin with, um I guess we should probably do this in what, chronological order?
1: Chronological order sounds good to me.
3: I love it. Of course we have to represent, you know, the kind of the uh I guess the only full-time Watsy employee for this entire system. Uh, uh, The creator of the system, uh, the man who we all know and love uh, with a spiffy, spiffy wardrobe, is only crying very, very small tears right now due to the Titans'
6: loss yesterday.
3: It's a sad thing. Um, Mr. Rodney Thompson.
5: Hey, guys. uh, Glad to be here. And just want to go ahead and say right off the bat, congratulations on one year. You've managed to put out 48 more podcasts than I have. So way to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
3: thank you very much And uh, also with us, we have, of course, a freelancer for Witches of the Coast Amazing writer, Minnie's god, and all-around general cool individual Who happened to go to high school with Jim Butcher Um, (laughs) uh, Mr. Sterling Hershey Sterling, how are you doing, man?
7: I'm doing fine That was one of those tidbits I never thought about uh, how far that would go
3: Hey, you know what? I find that absolutely hilarious So, (laughs) it's good to have you on and then, lastly, we have this like this dude with us. Um, he uh, he's just a minor minor guy, really. He lives out in L.A. somewhere, uh, or that area, I guess. Um, he was in a video game recently. Um, uh, Sam Whitwer.
9: What's going on, guys? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> is that the living on the L.A. voice? Is that' what that is. That's exactly it. I'm in L.A. right now, so you know, I just figured I'm just gonna talk like this, whatever.
3: <laughs> awesome. Well, we are glad to have you guys all here, and we want to thank you for taking the time to waste your evening with us as we celebrate a year of podcasting and a year of playing a freaking awesome role-playing game. So it's very cool. Um, And this is going to be kind of a non-traditional episode. We're not going to have a whole lot of our normal uh, doodads, but uh, should we get business out of the way first, Dave?
1: Sure. Why not? (laughs) Yes. Okay. You want to go for the first one? Sure, why not? Absolutely. Game On has launched episode number four. Brian and Andy, or Fiddleback and Ravenwing, for those of you on the forums, are talking minis games of all shapes and sizes. And quite honestly, I didn't know episode four was up, so I'm very bad, happy. Bad, Dave. Yes, very happy. And uh, not only that, but uh, at, at another t- also in the Game On thread, and what's available uh, on the front page of D20 Radio. Uh, mostly Joe, GM a game over Skype with Fiddleback and a couple of others I didn't listen to the whole thing, I just haven't had time I, I was doing like an hour long retrospective that kicked off the show
3: Yeah dude, it was like an hour and a half, good god
1: I know, and those of you who are listening to this podcast on your Zunes and iPods You guys got to hear it, the chat room got to hear it live But if you go to our Ustream site, it won't be there so, this is a surprise only available for people that download the podcast. Yippee Kaye. So, what else we got?
3: Uh, well, of course, uh, you mentioned the chat room. We currently have over 40 people, 43 people in the live vid chat. Um, which, of course, you can get to by uh, going straight to our website at d20radio.com and watching the podcast live as it unfolds. And um, Sam, Sterling, Rodney, I kind of think that perhaps maybe maybe y'all have just a little bit something to do with the large outturn in this live
9: bitcast. Yeah. Yeah. Checks are all in the mail, my, my chat room friends. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry.
5: I hear that's how things work in Hollywood. That's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I've heard that, too. Uh,
3: And also, while you're at our website, you can, of course, click on the link for some D20 Radio swag and pick up a T-shirt because we need to pay our server bills. And that would be totally
9: awesome. Um, One other announcement. Oh, speaking of swag, wait a second. Hold on. Uh, Wasn't there, like, a shirt that was supposed to be sent to me? Again, address. See? That
1: is. Uh, Now I forwarded it twice.
9: Yeah.
1: I'm
3: watching my inbox right now. Right now. If it doesn't come in like the next ten seconds, Dave, I know you're going to be at full of it, just, just, just done.
9: Well, hold done. on, hold on. In all fairness, I, I sent him that that uh, address like months ago. So, Dave, if you can't find it, don't blame yourself, man.
5: Okay, I won't. See? <laughs> hey, you think that's bad? I think what what was the first episode I was on? Like episode twelve? Was yeah. it twelve? Uh, yeah, you guys promised me a chance cube, and guess what? I still haven't gotten. Yeah, there's a address. guy. In, there's, a,
1: Again. there's a guy address. in France that also has not gotten a, a chance cube, and we have his stuff.
3: Yeah, we do, um, dude. Hey well, Rodney, guys, seriously, all- man, I, Rodney, I have a T-shirt for you and a chance cube. I just need your address, <laughs> <So> <laughs> a PO box, an if, office address. Something. It sounds like
1: you guys just need to go ahead and and uh, and and do you know, make sure and mark your emails that you get that return receipt that when he reads it, you know he read it, so you can forward it to him every time he comes up with this excuse.
3: <laughs> it's not an excuse. I just need the address, and I'll send it. Nah.
7: Guys, you're cool with me. You never promised me anything. so.
3: Well, yeah, <laughs> no. but it's because you were only on the show once. I mean, good <laughs>
7: Oh, okay
3: you know now at this point you're a, you're you're alumnus okay These aren't so at the this shirts point i get for. your shirt size and you know you get it in like a
9: year <laughs> or two, a year and a half that's just how it works see, see sterling once you're an alumnus you get the empty promises you see and then ah. uh, that just builds from there
5: it's ah. sort of a perk ah.
3: yep yes you guys you guys are going to open your mailboxes when when i seriously when i get your addresses um like I <laughs> don't have yours sam i don't have yours and what well, seriously I, I they're on my shelf right now I mean, hey, tg can you reach
1: down uh-huh. there, He's, behind
3: yeah.
1: you. Sure. Whoa! Whoa!
4: Right, right, right. Whoa! Whoa! Right Those two. <laughs> <laughs> two whoa. Okay. Hey, okay. Hey. Look at this.
3: Look at this. Look at this right now. Look in the webcam. You see this? This is a two uh, X my size, and also Rodney Thompson's. And this is a, a Wait, How do you uh, know that? Because I asked him.
1: See, it was in the same. It was <laughs> see, Rodney it was the same. He re- you responded with the same uh, that had your address in that email. I remember.
3: And this is here as a medium, and this is Sam Witwer's. and they are waiting to be sent. They are crisp, clean, and folded. And my cat has only been sleeping on them for about a month and a half. <clears throat> Excellent. So they're, yeah, that's they're... great
5: because you know I'm allergic to cats, so that works out so, well. So am I.
3: <laughs> God, <laughs> okay, fine. So i lo- okay, okay. So I'll dry clean the shirts and then I'll send them. Fine, 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 fine. Oh God. Okay, so more news from the coolness of the world. Uh, for those of you Star Wars fanatics who have not, you know, kept, you know, maybe living in a cave on Mars for the past, you know. Six months. The Clone Wars campaign guide releases on January twentieth, and you need to pre-order it now. You need to pre-order two or three, and you need to give them to your friends um, because it's promising to be a totally awesome, awesome book. Um, you know, I, I haven't seen any of the details inside of it, but apparently, um, you know, some Yahoo broke Street Date, and uh, some people have seen the inside of it and say that it's just a truly tremendous book. Yep. So uh, you should you should pre-register it and buy it several copies of it because it is a marvelous thing. It, it, we, we no doubt, no doubt. Can you confirm that, Rodney? Is it going to be a Marvelous thing?
5: Well, I don't know about Marvelous, but I do think it's pretty good. Um, we had a lot of great writers. It also marks the return of J.D. Weicker to the Star Wars line. Um, well, actually, he was back on Scum and Villainy, but he had a much bigger part on Clone Wars this time. And uh, yeah, the early reviews coming back from all the people online seemed to be pretty good. So cool. I
1: really liked it uh, when hope he so. sat to the right of Captain Picard. That was greatness. That's totally awesome.
9: And two I'm really more happy
5: ann- with the uh, stats for Cylons, actually.
9: Oh. <laughs> Any one of us could be a Cylon, seriously.
1: Yeah, I know.
3: Yeah, I've been told that time and time again.
1: Uh,
3: two more announcements uh, for those of you who are out in the wide world. Uh, pre-registration has opened up for Origins Game Fair, Columbus, Ohio, June 24th through 28th. Um, And our very own Vader son, Duncan, will be there running some Saga Edition in all his Bekilted glory. And so you should be there, too, playing some Saga Edition, because it's awesome. Right. And speaking of gaming conventions, uh, Gen Con, Gen Con, Gen Con is officially emerging out of Chapter 11. Uh, the company, uh, Gen Con LLC announced Friday, the courts have officially confirmed the company's plan of reorganization and they've approved the company's rejection of a hostile takeover bid and they will be going, they're going to be operating outside of chapter 11 very soon under a three member advisory committee assisting the board and all creditors will be paid in full, which is very good. And interestingly, former Wizards of the Coast CEO Peter Atkinson will retain ownership of Gen Con. Uh, this all probably has a lot to do with the fact that they had a pretty decent year in 2008 and are in the black. So kudos, Gen Con. Indy would only have had one draw without you.
1: So. Uh, which one would that have been?
3: Oh, the people driving cars, yeah.
1: The girl driving cars.
3: It, it, one, it's one girl driving... I don't get the, fast she, is the she is the
1: draw. She is the draw. I, I, yeah, I just, mm, yeah. Yummy. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yummy. so, Yeah. All right, you've lost me functionally for an hour, so go ahead.
3: Okay. Well, that's pretty much it for announcements, uh, so, yeah, oh. there we go. Well. Unless you have anything good. else amazing or credible just to hit us up with, Dave.
1: No, not really. We do, we're going to have some bits that are going to be interspersed throughout the show, followed by a couple of uh, bumpers, because I had, like, 74 bumpers and, you know, anniversary wishes and things like that, so I want to try and get them all in the show if I can, And so, next, first, by popular demand, we will do this. And now, Dark Thoughts with
9: Twillet goodness.
0: Wow, one year.
2: Gosh, that's a long time. I sure hope they don't stop at 100 episodes, because then I'll stop receiving special favors from Palpatine. We're on a first-name
11: basis, you know.
2: For corrupting GM Chris by giving him blow...
7: This has been Dark Thoughts with Twilight Goodness. GM
0: Dave, GM Chris, this is Silly Rabbit719 from Colorado Springs wishing you a happy 50th podcast. And I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Thanks, guys. As a friend and player with Alex Van D and the wife of Trevor from Fragments from the Rim, I would like to congratulate GMs Dave and Chris on a year of podcasting, except I have never listened to the Order 66 podcast.
4: Hello, this is Shibuda. I want to congratulate the Order 66 podcast on their first year anniversary. I want to thank GM Chris, GM Dave, and the rest of the Gamer Nation for keeping me both informed and amused this past year. Thanks, guys.
1: There you go. (laughs) Nice dark thoughts. Nice to see her back
4: yeah it
3: is nice to see her back
1: oh yeah oh lord here we go already
3: Uh, somebody got it thank you god i got it i got i I picked it up i got it
1: yeah (sighs) something like that so did you get a postcard this week
3: i kind of did although um it well it was a little different than most um it's kind of hard to explain uh it was wasn't really a postcard it was just kind of more of a well it was a card but it wasn't exactly a postcard. Do you understand what I'm saying?
1: Oh well, let me go ahead and we'll fire off the music and.
3: Well, no, no. It, uh, it, it's. I mean, well, here, Let me describe it. it, it it's got. It, it. It's kind of opens up in the middle, and it's got uh, sort of a you know a little balloon on the front and some glitter, and um, it has uh, you know kind of some sort of gothic little script on it that says, uh, "Hey guys, congratulations uh, on a, a wonderful anniversary." And it looks like it's handwritten. But uh, there's some words on the inside. We might be able to open it up.
1: Oh, okay. Well, then maybe we can take a look. Or listen.
10: From across the galaxy,
1: it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. Dear
12: Diving Dive and GM Chris, bye, guys. I'm out on patrol right now, nowhere too important, but I wanted to pick up the time to get a nice card and wish you all a happy anniversary for your one year episode. (laughs) It's been great sending you postcards and knowing that someone out there listens to my little exploits. Just anything else you need. You know the GAR is always at the beck and call of Order 66. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Uh, in any event, uh, happy anniversary, guys.
4: Long live the Empire! Your friend got
1: pretty good. Well, that was nice of him to write. And we also got this. (laughs) This is Darth Gorilla, and
2: I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, because I haven't got time for the pain.
11: (laughs) Hello, this is Outlaw Night Zero, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast, especially since GM Dave called us all
4: out.
0: Hey, it's Kat. Happy anniversary, GM Chris and GM Dave. Congratulations on a year of podcasting. Even though we all never listen to your podcast.
1: See, there's a common thread going on here. Yeah, I've heard.
3: Uh, It's a little, you know, it's repetitive. God, God, you think people could be original? God,
1: something. Yeah. Yeah.
3: God. I suppose we got questions. Do we get any questions in from people?
1: Oh, well, if you want to go there...
12: 20 docking bay hosers when it don't be making sense we be making sense of it
1: and one of the constraints of my system is that I can't do two sounds at the same time so I might have to drop the music out to be able to play these two questions out oh uh-huh. yeah I know. i'm never gonna
3: i'm never gonna forgive you for that Rodney sterling are you ever gonna be able to forgive him for that I'm not
1: I don't think they are. I think I can let it slide.
11: Yeah, it uh, can
1: go. Uh, all right, good. Wonderful. So, the first is a challenge from Death MVP for all 5 of us. So, we will give him our responses on the other side.
6: This is Death MVP and I have a challenge for you. Can you make a build that's level 5 that looks good on paper but would be totally useless to play? There you go.
1: All right, that's a good challenge, gentlemen. What are your responses?
0: Um Yes. yes yes yeah i could do that yeah yes hey guys, yeah this is pierce and i have a question for you it my question revolves around a player character that is very i guess money and equipment grubbing would be the best term he's um constantly seeking uh new and better ways to get more gear and it's not like i'm being strict with gear in my campaign but uh I guess it's gotten to the point where um, I'm almost afraid to get the new book Scum and Villainy because it has um, more rules for increasing your gear, the uh, equipment points on gear, templates and such. I'd really like to get the book, but he's really pretty much the only thing holding me back from doing that, especially seeing is how with the Starship book, he's doing that with his Starships. And that costs a lot more money, I know, than with regular equipment. Um, armor and weapons help me you are my only hope
1: all right now this is a legitimate question and he's legitimately um has yeah. a concern And, and you know but he sounds like he's got a min max or metagame or whatever you want to call him just just uh money hungry congratulations you've run you've won star wars right
3: yeah well i don't know i mean this is this is a pretty good question I mean, sterling rodney you guys want to take a crack at this first y'all are some two rather experienced gms and gaming minds
5: uh yeah sure. So the thing is the the first thing that I that I noticed in that question was he was afraid to get the book because he didn't want to introduce these new problems into his game uh because of this character. The first thing I would probably recommend is if you don't want to use a particular subsystem like the uh, equipment modification rules from Scone and Villainy, then don't. Just you—you <laughs> you can buy the book and say we're not going to use these rules. I mean, the reason they're not in the core rulebook is because you know they're not what we would consider the ultimate distilled, you know, basics of Star Wars. And then you know when you get these new books it's up to you as a gm to say i'm going to use these rules but not these rules now i'd like it if everything we designed fit every dm or gm's playstyle perfectly but that's just not going to be the case right and we have to accept the fact that sometimes you can't uh, you can't Use certain rules because they don't fit your or your gaming group's playstyle. So I think it's perfectly acceptable for you to just say, you know, we're not going to use these equipment modification rules if you want to.
7: Yeah, I mean, one nice thing about RPGs is that, especially systems that have been out for quite a while, like uh, Star Wars or D and D, you know, they become very modular. You become, you know, you can bring in the parts you want, you can ignore the parts that you don't want for your own campaign, and uh, particularly with certain players, that might might make a lot of sense. Um, Uh, The other thing is to try it out and to see how it goes. And if it does become a problem, kind of sit down and say, hey, um, you know, let's let's work out what you're trying to do with a way that works with this campaign.
3: Well, that makes good sense. I mean, now, I mean, and and Sam, you pipe up on this, too, because you've been a GM for a while. Um, I mean, as a GM and, and all you guys, I mean. One of the I guess one of the more difficult problems to deal with in terms of a, of a problem player is the guy who's you know, as Dave put it, trying to beat star wars, trying to to build the ultimate custom item, the guy who's trying to to make the coolest thing humanly available, you know, oh my god, i I broke into rules. This is incredible. Um, sweet oh, sweet. <laughs> And obviously, I mean, I've been in situations before where I've had players that will, unfortunately, will want to do this and limiting campaign material, obviously the easy option. But then again, there's other players I don't want to suffer from that. In your experience, is there a good way uh, that you can recommend to, to talk to a player like this or any advice you can give a GM who's experiencing this issue?
9: Well, I'm blessed with players that are not trying to beat the system. I'm blessed with players who are have a very good sense of what's dramatically appropriate in the okay. Star Wars universe or whatever game we're playing, and what's not. And so they're more concerned with the personality of their players or how you know what they're doing that's going to create sort of a dramatic scene than they are about creating a, a game-breaking character. So, uh, but my advice in terms of uh, we're talking about like rules mechanics and making sure someone doesn't create a broken character.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, if, you, if, you know, if you're a GM, how do you deal with someone who's doing it? You know, they're using yeah. legitimate rules. I mean, Rodney, you, you told me something once that I say as, 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 as often as I can because it stuck with me. You said that, that no system survives contact with the player base. And right. even, even the core rules, people, you're going to find metagamers, you're going to find min-maxers. Is there a, a good piece of advice that we can give a, a GM who might be experiencing that kind of issue?
9: Well, you know, I, I actually do have one thing to say. Be a GM. Be a GM. There you go. You know, it it should be enough to say to your player, sorry, man. I I don't believe as the GM this is the way it was intended to go. And in my game, it won't go like that. And, And I don't mean to be a, you know, I don't mean to limit your creativity. But, you know, for me, I'd rather people channel their creativity into their players and their motivations and their personalities rather than, you know, rather than trying to figure out some obscure way to mix game statistics. Mm. That's my take.
7: Mm. Sterling? Rodney? Well, for me, the uh, the game system is really there to support your story. And uh, yeah. so uh, the rules ought to, in my, at least in my games, the rules come second to the story to a point. Um, although, you know, I try and run them as close to the the written rules as I can. But um, uh, if it's going to be one or the other, the story is probably going to win.
6: That's that's
3: a Unless it
7: just totally breaks something in the system that shouldn't be broken, but you know.
3: Hey, you know what? That's that's a good point. But I have I have broke. I, gosh, I think Dave, I broke system Friday just to, in in lieu of good storytelling, didn't I?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Big time.
3: Because it was worth it. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, and I think-
1: and the, the the best part is that uh, never mind. <laughs>
3: What you say something like that, and then you go never mind.
1: Well, I was gonna say I kind of <laughs> called you out on it because you were asking me how many hit points I have, just because, and I knew you were just gonna get ready to hit me with just enough hit points. And I was like, well, hit me with your best shot, because I, you know, I knew you were kind of planning on that GM table, and I just didn't want to give you the opportunity. And okay, was, so so, G-
3: so G- GM Dave's Wookiee lost his arm on Friday, uh, thanks to um, a evil Jedi using severing strike. And I just wanted to know to see if that was going to be the hit that would cause you to lose your arm. I wanted to get my description ready. That was about to be it.
9: <laughs> oh, there you go. So
3: that's it. You were you, you going hey, to lose your arm you. either way.
9: When it comes to rules, let me ask Rodney. I, I sort of – my philosophy about rules at the gaming table is we have this book full of all these wonderful rules, and it's my job as the GM when I'm – you know when I'm preparing, when I'm constructing an adventure to go through and in different sections of the book, here's a fair way to handle this situation or here's a fair way to handle when you fall or here's a fair way to handle this and that. My take at the table is uh, if I haven't prepared for something, I'll do my best to wing it uh, with good judgment, hopefully, uh, and also with the cooperation of players who also have good judgment. And uh, it's not about flipping through pages in the middle of the table what's your take on that?
5: Well, yeah, certainly one of the things that we try and do as designers is make things usable at the table without a lot of page flipping, right? That's why we try and make things intuitive and try and make them fit into your game without a whole lot of... of referencing of the rules, right? So that's that's yeah. clearly a goal. What I do, and I guess maybe this isn't the answer that... Um, I can't remember who it exactly it was that asked the question, but uh, maybe not the answer they're looking for, but there's also sometimes where, as the GM or, or DM, you might want to take a look at these rules, and you may not like them initially uh, for your game, but you might have one character that's really, really interested in it. All right? So maybe... You can bend a little bit as the GM and say, "You know this guy really is into this equipment modification stuff. that's That's what he really wants to do. Maybe I just I let him do that for a little while. And yeah, you want to monitor what they're what they're doing with those rules. but I, I think that as long as it's not disruptive at the table, you can probably bend a little bit to allow the players to do what they want. So uh, sort of combining what Sam said with the, the original answer to the question, what I, what, what I, would, prefer, what I would prefer is to have the set of rules and let the players use it until it becomes disruptive at the table and then maybe go back and reevaluate. Right. Yeah.
3: That makes excellent sense. And it's words of wisdom. But, you know, you guys all seem to echo this, you know? Be the GM. And that means more than just – I mean, it means putting your foot down, but it also means exercising good judgment. It means saying yes to one person and no to another. It's a—it's not an easy thing to do, and it takes time and experience. But, you know, it starts somewhere. So there we And know. there's
9: nothing wrong as a GM – I mean, okay, I, uh, maybe I'm wrong about this. Ronnie. stop me if I am. But I don't think there's anything wrong with when you've made a mistake as a GM to evaluate that later and talk to a player and say, listen, maybe I ruled that incorrectly and, and – settle whatever issue that is, and then at that point, you've made a precedent, and here's what the rule is going to be from then on. I mean, GMs are not infallible, but while you're playing the actual game, I don't think you want the game to grind to a halt when you debate something with a player. Your your authority has to be there. Your authority has to be present. People need to respect that, and if a player isn't respecting that, you need to take them aside and say, listen, it's, you can't, the game can't grind to a halt. You know, Part of the GM's job is to keep it moving, so...
1: And Pierce the sent that in and thought he was just going to get like a three-minute discussion out of it. That's pretty good.
3: <laughs> well, this is why we have us all here. I know. And see,
1: imagine that's... if we had the 12 questions or 45 questions that got sent to us. huh?
3: Five-hour podcast. Yeah. yeah, I know. And that's why we're right. going into it. So
4: anyway,
1: <laughs> All right, I've got a couple of more bits. Actually, I've just got a couple of more bumpers and uh, storm pooper truetry to get to. Cool. And then we'll see you back on the other side again.
7: Save this is Protocol Droid HK13. From announcement, my master states that only meatbags listen to the Order 66 podcast. Clarification, I am not a meatbag and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast.
8: The Ted word never listens to the Order 66 podcast.
6: They've been doing this a year? That's what they say. I don't know. I don't listen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, does anybody know, listen to the Order 66 podcast? I
11: don't think podcast? anybody listens I to, never the to the Order 66, order 66 podcast.
6: podcast. I'm pretty sure they have a bump of me saying so. Yeah. For a fact, they ran it recently. <laughs> so, so this is Radio Free Hamlets cast giving a shout out to our friends, our buds, our compadres. Over. And the reason that I am not DM Kress. <laughs> Shout out to our friends over at the Order 66 podcast.
0: Band. Happy birthday, guys. Absolutely. Keep it up the your good work. your birthday song. It isn't very long. And that will be the last time I sing on the air. And,
6: and <laughs> we want to wish you nothing but the best as you continue to forge on towards 200 episodes. Where I've heard that you're going to stop. Anyway, uh, I I wish you nothing but the best And and look forward to catching up with you guys At some point in the episode count
2: And now Stormtrooper Epic Poetry Fifty episodes in one year Lots of goodness in your ear GM Chris and GM Dave TK is their little slave Cody writes in every show, telling them both where to go. Toilet Goodness shares her thought, while Gamer Nation drools a lot. Watto has his bargain bin, chance cubes have uneven spin. And I send in my stormtrooper poetry, don't confuse it with stormpooper truetry. Rodney Thompson gives us rules, Sterling Hershey's name is cool. And then there's Whitwer with his bits, poor Luke, and his running shits. Now, I don't usually cuss in here, but drinking rules have sapped my beer. And the last thing that I want to say, Dave and Chris are both gamers with a really great cast, and here's to another year, guys. Hoorah! Stormtrooper Epic Poetry this is Death
6: MVP, and I would never listen to your anniversary episode as I still got the STD from your
0: first episode.
7: This is Heart of Juyo MK2, and thanks to GM Dave's rifle, I will never again listen to the Order 66 podcast.
1: And see, that's what happens when you make a comment like trying to charm DM, GM Dave's daughter.
3: Yeah, he keeps a rifle in his house. Dave is the kind of guy, you know, I mean, okay, uh, uh, Sterling, uh, Rodney, I know you don't. And Sam, I, I know you don't. Well, well gosh, you may. maybe running around there somewhere. Uh, Sterling, do you have any kids? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't either, and, and Dave does. And I, I hope to God I have a boy. I, I think I've said this before, because <clears throat> if I have a little girl, I'm going to become Dave. I'm going to be the guy sitting on a porch with a shotgun and a shovel when the man comes over, when the, when the boy is trying to date, my little girl comes to the house you know, because I, you know, I I just, you know, I'll look at him and I'll say, I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking because I thought it and, and that scares the crap out of me. So you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can have the date here on the porch.
1: Right here. (laughs) Right there.
3: So there we go. Yeah. So that's that. Right there. (laughs) Great Stormtrooper poetry, by the way.
1: Yeah, it was. It was really good. Epic poetry
3: epic poetry
1: epic epic poetry oh and and by the way i um, strider for uh, actually reminded me that i have an, an an announcement that i forgot to make okay just a small announcement actually and it has nothing to do with the order 66 podcast proper basically I'm my wife and i are doing a podcast because a couple of people in the Gamer Nation... Gamers are nothing if they are not, at least... Oh, never mind. I, 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 I want to stay away from stereotypes, but as a, as a general rule, there are a lot of overweight gamers out there, right?
3: Oh, that's preposterous. Yes. I was, at, I was at Gen Con this past year, and it was just a sea of skinny, fashionable people.
1: Yes, I'm sure it was. Anyway... A few of you have contacted me uh, via email or whatnot asking because we had a pretty good discussion about me losing 105 or 106 pounds it is now. Wondering what I did. Well, my wife and I decided to do a podcast about what we did from, I don't know, January of of last year all the way up to now and then as we're going forward. So if you guys are all uh, interested at all, the, uh, the podcast name is Half the Couple We Used to Be and it is going up on iTunes like day after tomorrow. So, that being said, you know, it was good, it is fun, and it's me and my wife. So, there you go. Now, (laughs) I don't remember where we were. We were going going to 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 one year of the Big O, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, there we go. Um, (laughs) Well, it's been a year of the Big O. uh, The O being the Order 66. Um, And as I kind of said at the beginning, guys, this is... Uh, this show is going to pretty much completely can our normal format for the next however long we're on. And I know some of you guys may have time constraints. So if we go past when you need to go, you say goodbye, take your leave, and that's totally cool. Right. Um, a lot of, and I, I do mean a lot of listeners, preemptively sent us several rules questions and other stuff for our distinguished guests. And frankly, we may get to some of that if we have time. That is not, however, why we're here tonight. Um, we are here to celebrate a year of two geeks with microphones proclaiming our passion for Saga, and we're here to celebrate all that Saga Edition has accomplished in 2008 and to just flat-out geek out something fierce for the next however long we do it. So, yeah, do
9: it. So now you're talking. Let's now, do this.
3: I'm talking. I'm, I'm excited. Are you? Yes, obviously, Sam's excited. Sterling, oh, Rodney, you have... are, are you guys excited?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can barely contain <laughs> You hear myself. the excitement in his voice. Yeah! Listen to that. <laughs> it, it is, and it's fully apathetic. I can barely contain myself. Yes, I am really pissed off that the Ravens won. I am pissed that the Ravens won because I hate the Ravens,
5: dude.
3: I bet Rodney's pissed the Ravens won, too, but for a totally different reason.
5: You know, I would like to not talk about football because it's been a pretty bad two weeks for me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to talk about football? Oh, dude. Hey.
5: I'd like to talk about the Awesome Order 66 podcast. All right. Let's do that.
1: Yeah, get a man to talk about himself, and he'll talk for hours.
3: Ooh. Ooh, I'm impressed. Oh, that's
5: right. actually true. I will talk for hours about myself. Yeah. There but you that's,
3: you know, yeah. Yeah, but that, that's most people. For God's sake, you're Sam. Jeez, God.
9: Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, dude. Set me up. Set me oh, up. God. Just ask me one question. Let's do it. And okay, I'll, he'll, I'll he'll, he it He won't over. stop
3: until we whip him. You know, we, I have a little, you yeah, know, through Skype kind of thing.
9: That's right.
3: Well, basically, dude, I mean, Sterling, Rodney. Okay, Sam, you're different. But Sterling, Rodney, they'll, 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 I'll be as blunt as I can. Every time I've had you guys on the show, I've loved it. We've had a great time, but you have served in a capacity of either, a, ultimately, a billboard or an encyclopedia, which I, I hate that. I hate that crap. I, I think you are both not only really nice guys, um, I've had the opportunity to talk to Rodney a lot, and Sterling, you and I have met, spent some time together, I think you're an amazing guy. I think you're both fine gaming minds and experienced gamers, and I just want to talk about that I, I think it's very rare that anyone in the gaming community who ever seeks communication with you two individuals does so because they want your advice as a GM or want to hear some cool stories you've had, as opposed to
6: on page thirty-seven of Starships of the
3: Galaxy, it uses the in place of the, and uh, you know that's not proper syntax, and um, this stat block <laughs> is wrong. So that's kind of what I want to do for this show. Is that okay with you guys?
5: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds great.
3: <laughs> okay,
5: so whatever you want to do, man, we are here to help you.
3: Oh wow, God, you're gonna give me a power trip, man. And Sam, you're here. Question because, for Rodney? Oh yeah, yeah.
5: Yes, Rodney, uh, is there like, a question in the back?
9: Totally. Hey, hey, let's yeah, go. So listen, Rodney, when when I look you up on Facebook and I start talking about Saga Edition, and I don't ask you about specific rules, but we talk about stuff. Sure. Do you get to a point where you're like, dude? I just spent all day doing this and now it's nighttime and I'm on Facebook. And why are we talking about work? Do you, Is it like that for you? Or, or when we talk about it, are you like, yeah, yeah, this is fun. This is still fun. Or how does, I guess the, the overall question is Rodney and Sterling, how does your work affect your passion for say all things star Wars? Do you get enough of it during the day to where you want just a break and you want to think about anything else afterward?
5: (laughs) Well, for me, it actually, like, the the best thing is, this is what I've always wanted to do, right? Like, when I was a mere lowly freelancer, just kidding, Sterling, uh, when I was freelancing, (laughs) I always said my big goal was I wanted to work for a publisher as, you know, the line director or head designer or whatever for a game that I really liked. And, gosh, when I happened to get the opportunity to do that for Star Wars, it was sort of like a dream come true. So, you know, when when I'm at home, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and Sam and I are talking online about Star Wars, it doesn't bother me at all, right? I mean, that's... I got into role-playing games because I liked it, I got into Star Wars role-playing because I liked it, and now it just so happens that I do it for my job. So, yeah, it, I actually have almost an unlimited capacity to talk about uh, role-playing games and Star Wars and what have you outside of work as well as at work. And to be honest with you, most of the time at work, I'm sitting at my computer uh, doing everything I can to get my work done, get the writing done, get the developing done, and not really talking to a lot of other people about it on a constant basis just because, you know, I'm the only guy in the office that works on Star Wars as a designer, so... uh, to have someone chatting me up about it, or to come on a podcast or whatever, it's actually it's a lot of fun for me because I get to, you know, talk about the things that I like with other people who like the same things.
7: Yeah, and for Rock. me, um, for me, my day job is completely different from uh, from uh, freelancing. Um, completely. I'm a, yeah, I'm an architect, and uh, no way, so, really. Yeah. Yep. How come I didn't and know so that? That's, that's awesome. awesome. Everything that I do at work. Um, has very well has nothing to do with star wars and so for me when i come home and start writing it is uh, nice to be able to write about something that i like to read and watch and enjoy anyway so uh... when people you know come up and talk about it that's great you know i have a i have no problem with that and uh... for me really uh... the architecture um, is uh... you know i take a break from star wars when I go to work and i take a break from architecture when i'm writing on star wars so it works out fine Um,
9: that's awesome, man. That's really cool.
3: That's very cool. Um, that's, that's very cool. Um, well, gosh. Well, then, okay, that makes me feel better because, you know, it's one of those things I always get worried whenever I ask you guys on because, you know, like, do they really want to talk to me? Oh, God. Do they really want to? So, well, that's, that's good to know
5: no absolutely not and one of the things that I love about working at Wizards is that co- I'm constantly able to you know go find a cool conversation about gaming it's just not always Star Wars gaming so it's nice to have another outlet to talk about Star Wars role playing
6: <laughs> well there you go
3: <laughs> okay so 2008 has come and gone um, let's talk about what was and what was cool so I have a, I have a simple question um, for, for each one of you um what was your favorite Saga Edition product of 2008? Now I know a couple of you are biased, since one of you kind of has your face on the cover of one of those products, and, and <laughs> you know the other uh, has has written some of them, but not others. And Rodney, you you know you, you're you're kind of free and clear in that. But uh, you know those constraints aside, do you have a, a favorite product that has come out um, in 2008? And and why is it your favorite product? Let's uh, uh, Let's
1: start uh, with
3: who it. wants to go first. Uh, I'll, roll, I'll roll the I'll
1: roll the wheel of guests. Roll yes. initiative, the dude. Dice. Roll initiative. Roll the <laughs> dice. Oh, hey, dude! I just got <laughs> y'all's. Thank you very much, by the way, for inviting me to your, be your friend as face, on Facebook. Come on.
3: You said that like you hand guilt an invitation and mailed it to your house. It's like mm-hmm. thank you. It was.
1: Oh, it was. Right. It was. It was very nice, actually. On Facebook. Yeah. It's just
4: fantastic. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, uh, Rodney, y- you first, dude. What What was your favorite project to work on in 2008?
5: Wow, that's really tough. Now, the other thing to realize is I actually work about a year ahead of all these books that come out. So oh, yeah, well, I, s- I stopped working on Scum and Villainy, uh, which is the last book that came out, about 14, 15 months ago. So I'm having to throw my mind all the way back there. Um, I would say, of all the books that we had come out last year, my favorite's probably. And I have to say, Nice the Old Republic for a variety of reasons. Um, mostly because I had a really good time designing it. I got to work really closely with both Sterling and John Jackson Miller and Abel Pena, which was really cool. The, the process was a lot of fun. And plus, it was one of the first chances we've really had to make a really big impact on the expanded universe. And by that, I mean we've gotten to define a lot of things, to flesh out backstories on a lot of things. Whereas with books like, say, Scum and Villainy or the Force Unleashed campaign guide, we were really more adapting uh, things that had already been described and fleshed out to the saga edition rules. So there was less uh, creative opportunities on those books. Uh, At the same time, you know, it's a pretty close race because I think the content of Scum and Villainy is really, really good. I think Force Unleashed is some of the best mechanical work that we've done uh, so far. So there are ups and downs to everything, but the process of creating Nice Theater Republic was probably the most rewarding. And, you know, the fact that once the book came out, we had established a really clear vision of what the nice Theater Republic campaign setting, that time period was like managing to integrate comic books and video games and novels and, you know, decades of continuity stretching all the way back to the tales of the Jedi comics. Right. we would managed to integrate all that into a coherent setting. And that was really, really rewarding. Awesome.
7: Yeah. For, for me, uh, it was probably the KOTOR book as well. Um, you know, I had a really nice time, uh, working with all the rest of the guys on it. And, uh, I look forward to working on that for some time. Uh, and, uh,
3: How was it working with John Jackson Miller on it? Because, I mean, a lot of us, you know, huge uber geeks are huge fans of his work anyway. So, I mean, you know, was it?
7: Well, John was was great. It was was interesting because it's really the first time uh, that I had been involved in a project where we had somebody that was directly involved in creating another Star Wars product, like a comic book or a novel, um, on the team. Um, And so we were able to ask him questions that normally we'd have to, either try and get an answer to or make an assumption and hopefully Rodney could get an answer later. Um, But I think a lot of the uh, detail and timeline information uh, was clearer because he was uh, a part of the team. And he's a really nice guy. I met him at Gen Con. um, Yeah, Yeah, I got
3: a chance to see him talk, although I didn't get a chance to to do more than shake his hand. But uh, he seemed like he was an awesome guy.
7: You know, it's really interesting. Uh,
5: John Jackson Miller and I both went to the same college. Uh, not at the same time, but we both went to the University of Tennessee, and um, I think he told you guys the story at Gen Con about how Zane Carrick is named after a dormitory on the University of Tennessee campus that I actually stayed in when I lived there, and, and he did as well. So whenever we met at Celebration, we got the chance to you know, sit around and jaw about our time at University of Tennessee. Awesome.
3: <laughs> well, that's very interesting. Well, Sam... Uh, I think you might be the most biased among everybody. but I mean, know, do you but, have to ask? Uh, yeah, but yeah. So, I mean, can we say The Force well, was your favorite? Or did you have a favorite book that came out last year?
9: Okay. I mean, yeah, absolutely. The Force Unleashed was. But I, I actually have good reasons, guys. Really good reasons. And kay. just listen to me for five seconds. I'll tell you, man. I'm listening, waiting. Cover.
3: Patiently. Cover. Waiting. Waiting right here, right now. Waiting. That's, it. that's the cover. No, that's it. It's
9: just the cover. No, um, it's because uh, it, it was a really cool view of the the Empire. Really, really interesting because we haven't really seen anything from that time period. We know that what the live action series is going to take place around then, and and Force Unleashed certainly did, but it was from a very specific point of view. It was really fun to read about essentially the formation of the Empire and and. Uh, I, I really like that. I really like that. I thought you guys did a great job at fleshing out that time period and making it a compelling place to game in.
3: I loved Scum and Villainy uh, as one of my favorite books of 2008. But um, right behind that, I think for me it would be a tie between KOTOR and and The Force Unleashed. Mostly because my two favorite eras are KOTOR and then of course Dark Times. And the reason being, uh, there's so much space, so much undefined area. I think a GM can work with, but um, uh, aside from that, Scum and Villainy, I thought, was fantastic. I think that was probably, personally, my favorite of 2008. Um, plus, I thought I thought the Shadowport stuff was just absolutely
1: fantastic. So. Uh, we'd like to interrupt this broadcast to uh, announce that GM Brev just got kicked out of the uh, chat room for talking about oh, the was Golden Globes. Oh, we he talking Globes. Golden Globes? Yep. Oh,
3: God. Brev, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible.
1: Uh, oh, dear. So, anyway... Sorry to interrupt, gentlemen. Please continue the broadcast. Thank you.
3: Well, you're next on the broadcast, dude. Do you have a favorite product in two thousand eight?
1: Um, me, um, scum and villainy. I think.
3: Yeah. Only
1: because of all the little tech specialist stuff and gizmos, and I kind of like. Dave
3: is that player. I'm that guy. Yeah,
1: I'm that. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm not that guy. I, you know. I don't think I'm over the top when it comes to all that crazy crap, but can I
3: combine my bowcaster and vibroax into one weapon? It says I can.
1: Hey, it said <laughs> I could, so I did. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 gonna be the guy that uh, implants a, a lightsaber into my cybernetic arm when I get it replaced. Uh, yes. I think I but think Commonality you
7: know, is gonna be my my wife's favorite book. She's kind of the tech player in our uh, uh, in our campaign, and I can't wait until she. Uh, find some of those rules and gets really gets into them. She's a big Shadowrun fan, so we'll see how this works out.
3: Very nice. I, I do. That's. I have not played a good game of Shadowrun in probably about a year, and I miss it. I'm a I'm a Shadowrun fan as well. So, very very cool. So okay. So those are your favorite products of 2008. Well, the year's coming, and it's it's kind of a time for retrospection. Uh, I, 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 when you look back, but also looking at at what is coming. Um, it's been a heck of a year for Saga. Um, aside from products, you guys worked on a lot more than just books. I mean, I mean, Sterling Rodney, you guys worked on some amazing modules. Um, you guys have worked on some, some great web content and stuff like that. Um, Sam, you've had the opportunity to make significant contributions to the Star Wars universe in the past year. Aside from just a published book... I mean, it, what would you guys say was your favorite accomplishment of 2008? This doesn't even need to be Star Wars or gaming-related. Did you guys, I mean, just in terms of introspectively in general, what was the best part of last year for you, period?
5: Uh, well, for me, gosh, that's actually pretty challenging because everything <laughs> kind of tends to run together, for one. Yeah, I, I, know, think, I know how to pick them, you know? Yeah, I, I think for me, the biggest thing was that last year, I really got to sort of spread my wings and do a lot of different things. Uh, The first part of the year I worked on some Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Then I spent the middle and second half of the year doing all Star Wars all the time. So I got to dip my toes into a few different waters and we've also had a really great year for basically getting to do everything I want to. I I think that's my dirty little secret is that all these books that we're doing is that they're, they're things that I've wanted for a long time, right? Scum and villainy. I told you guys, it's my, it's the ultimate scoundrel nomicon that I always wanted, right? It's the thing that I wanted during my West End days. And so this is, uh, this is the best part about this this past year, and also this coming year, is that you know I'm kind of getting to put out the books that I always wanted, and I I think that everyone else seems to be agreeing with me that these are the books that they want too. Because well, a they're getting really good reviews, and b you know with, people are buying them, so that's always a good sign.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to continue if people aren't buying the books. Um, so exactly, that, that's a very good sign. Sterling, what about you, man?
7: That's a tough question. I was just trying to come up with something that. Not real sure. <laughs> um, you know, I've really enjoyed being so heavily involved in Star Wars again. Um, it's been about, gosh, I guess it's been ten years now since uh, West End um, went bankrupt, and because uh, I was involved with them uh, for a number of years, and so it's been fun to get back into that kind of groove. And I've had, I guess, one one thing that's been really nice about this is I've had a lot more impact on this system and have had the opportunity to do so, um, and so. Uh, it's been uh, great from that respect. Um, and also, uh, books like Scum and Villainy, uh, which I wasn't part of, but um, there's also, um, sorry, I just got distracted by something in the chat room there. Um, some of the stuff we've been able to do uh, with KOTOR reminds me more of some of those uh, West End products where we're able to expand a little bit more uh, in the, on the story side, and that's been a lot of fun.
3: Awesome, um, uh, yeah, that's that's totally awesome. Uh, Sam, what about you, man? Do you have any favorite moments?
9: Uh, I really enjoyed getting a bunch of feedback, say on Facebook or in public, about uh, a Force Unleashed, especially from kids. That really, I love that, and I I like the fact that I'm I'm very happy that people seem to like the character because that was a huge concern for us. How do you? You know, Star Wars protagonists are not easy to to make. Um, so that was really fun. I had a good time with all that, and you know, with all my friends at Lucasfilm. You know, staying at Skywalker Ranch was awesome. And oh leather. God, be God,
3: be quiet. No,
9: I just just saying though. I mean, it, jealous Chris is it's, telling
3: it's, you to, yeah, yeah.
9: But also, it was t- not just awesome. It was re- and and pretty much so cool.
3: Well, okay, so I, mean, I think I've mentioned this before, but the, fr- like, the second email I ever got from, from you, Sam, was you telling me that you caught up on all the podcasts where you were jogging out at Skywalker Ranch.
1: Yeah.
9: Oh, yeah, that's right. I, I also forgot to tell you that I was staying there, and it was awesome.
5: <sighs> Did I mention that?
9: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, okay. putting that out there. Butthole!
5: Yeah. Hey guys, don't feel bad. I also feel equally jealous because despite the fact that I've been working with Lucasfilm so closely for the last two years, I still haven't gotten to go to the ranch yet. So don't feel bad.
9: Uh, Rodney, if, if you're in San Francisco at some point, let me know and uh, I can get you on a ranch, which is awesome.
5: You know, Let's it's funny them. you should mention that. We should talk <laughs> later because uh, I'm planning a little road trip down the west coast uh, next year for San Diego Comic Con. So Is that right? We'll
0: talk. Yeah. Very cool. Let's do that.
3: Oh, good grief. Well, see, this is this is what the Order Sixty Six podcast is all about. Facilitating shared moments That's right. of glee and geekdom. Right. Yes. I, I love it.
1: And if I'm ever in San Francisco, I'll make sure and call you. <laughs> there you go. Rock on then. <laughs> Right.
9: Okay. So, oh, honestly, if I, 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 if you guys are in San Francisco, get a group together. Let's all get together and go to the ranch. Let's do it.
1: The Geekapalooza Done. 2009, San Francisco.
3: There you- we can oh. break into Lucas's mm-hmm. office, office, ask him if he wants to, you know, maybe like roll up a character. Yeah. Oh yeah. That isn't the best idea. But pro- let's pro- go. Probably, probably not. <laughs> yes. Oh dear. Okay. So. And in, in kind of looking back, wrapping up, kind of looking at the last year and stuff like that, um, the Order 66 podcast has been going for a year, um, and I was, I was blown away when, when, Rodney, you contacted me. I was totally blown away uh, that you even listened to us. Sam, you contacted me, and that also blew me and Dave completely out of the water as well. And Sterling, I, I, I literally was, was shaking your hand after you were on a panel and you, you said to me, oh, and, you know, I almost said I never listened to the Order 66 podcast. And I was like, oh, my God. So Sterling listens to the podcast. And, and that flipped me out even more. If, um, if
1: you'd have said that on a Gen Con panel, GM Chris would have had an orgasm right there.
3: Yes, I would have.
7: He, he asked a question, which I can't remember the question now. But uh, when, he, when, he answered, when he asked the question, you know, I, I could see the T-shirt and all that. And so I knew who he was with. And, of course, he was the only guy with a microphone in there. And... and uh, and <laughs> uh, so I was tempted to then, but uh, I decided I'd wait till afterwards.
3: Oh, well, it was it was a good moment for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, you guys have been listening to the cast. Um, I mean, do you you know, you got a chance to listen to what Dave and I kind of compiled as our favorite moments from the show and things like that. Um, ex- excluding particular crunchy talk, do you guys have any, any favorite moments from the casts? I mean, as as listeners that you've been listening to. Um, um, of course, obviously, when when y'all are on, that's probably usually a, a good favorite yeah. moment. But, um, you know, aside from that, is there anything that comes to your mind immediately?
5: Well, I, I have one that I've been meaning to tell you guys about for a while. I really like the, well, I would call it the new format, but it's the current format for the postcards from Commander Cody and um, I know I can't pick a particular one but ever since you guys switched from reading the postcards to uh, actually getting the audio postcards from Cody I think that was probably one of the best things you guys have done and I gotta tell you um, I love the fact that every week we get to check out a new planet and you guys kind of drop some some knowledge bombs on me with the uh, description of the planet and everything. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. I mean, I love hearing your beautiful voices but I really, really like the uh, the postcards. It's a nice way to kind of stimulate the uh, the creative juices for DMs
7: out there. Thank
5: you. I, I,
3: I agree. It's like possibly the best decision we've made. So Yeah, what
7: I, what I like about them is that every so often you'll pull up one that I haven't haven't heard about or haven't heard about in a long time, and I'll be like, which planet is this? Oh, yeah. Or I'll I have to go look at that one. So, yeah, that's uh, been very interesting.
1: Yeah, so did y'all like the old school? I, I put one in there during our montage, opening montage way back when, when <laughs> Chris was reading the postcard like an awful, idiot awful,
3: <laughs> awful, awful <laughs>
1: it,
3: it it was it was a bad idea, and it was like, god, this you know we was <laughs> we were
9: listening to it, and we're it like, was a bad call, Ripley, it was a bad call,
3: thank you paul um <laughs> uh, uh, no, seriously, it's one of those things you listen to it and you're like, "Oh wow, this really sucks. This could be such a cool segment, but you know, uh, you know, th- this really sucks. How do we, you know, I, I, I don't want to listen to this anymore. How do we, how do we make this better?" And then Dave's like, "Well, didn't you like buy that uh, Morfox program? Yeah. You know, to, to only use once for Vader's voice. I'm like, oh yeah, I kind of did. Well, it's just something we can. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, okay. And and I tell you what, Wikipedia is. Is the source of all of Cody's postcards, and it is a marvelous resource.
5: You know what else is a really good uh, source for information on planets?
3: Speak, 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 speak. Tell me, please.
5: Really? NASA. Do I,
3: do I, have, to, NASA, do I have to say NASA, anything? NASA. Yeah, NASA. Oh. Please, 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 please. No, I'm, 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 bait, dude. baited breath. I got a pen here.
5: I think you should really check out those gazetteer chapters and all the role playing game source books because they are right up your alley.
3: Oh, those, uh, yeah, you know, I may uh, have looked sure at those that. once or twice, you know,
5: yeah. <laughs> and and that, that will bring an end to my corporate shilling for the episode. <laughs>
3: oh, let's be honest, you know it won't. Um, <laughs> um, yes, no, dude, the, the gazetteer stuff is awesome. Uh, by the way, is that how you pronounce that? Gazetteer, Gazetteer, Gadgeteer, Gazetteer? I always said Gazetteer. Gazetteer? Who knows? What's, what's the general consensus on that? Because, I mean... G- 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 gazetter, gazetter, gazetter. Okay, gazetter. Uh, that sounds like an accountant in Fresno. Yeah, I'm Ron Gazetta, and I'm at Ron yeah. Gazetter. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Uh, how do you hey. pronounce that, Sterling?
7: Uh, Gazetteer, I guess. have Never oh, really see, thought about it. See, there you see, go. See,
3: two, two, two to one, man. Uh, uh, yeah, that's go. pretty much
9: the way it goes. <laughs> hey, I have a, I have a. Uh, my answer to this question also will create. An interesting question for you two. All right, check this out. Um, I enjoy the witty banter between the two gentlemen. It's oh. fantastic. But here's the thing: how do you guys know each other?
1: Um. Okay.
9: Twins separated at birth.
1: Yeah, um, something like that. Okay. Time to tell the. When backstory did you guys first again. meet?
9: When? It, when? It, and when did you first fall in love? Tell us that story okay. too. Okay. Time to tell oh. the
1: backstory of oh. Dave and Chris way back. Yeah. Let's see. Sherman set the Wayback Machine for what two thousand and one? Two
3: yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two, yeah.
1: Okay.
9: The year the, the Space Odyssey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's this, this kid that comes walking into my office, says, Hey, I just got fired from GameStop. I need a job. <laughs> I
3: quit. I didn't get fired. Oh, I quit.
1: Okay, yeah, there you go. You got
3: fired? Wait, wait, from wait, hold on, on, hold stop. on They were gonna fire me, so I quit before they could fire me. <laughs>
5: you were gonna get fired from GameStop?
3: <laughs> Me. Okay, okay let, me, let, me, let, me, let me preempt this with some other exposition, okay? Before I met the wonderful woman who is now my wife, a very long time ago,
1: oh, boy. I
3: was engaged to a woman for a very long time, oh. and it ended very badly. Very bad. And suffice it to say, I lost my girl, my place, and my job in
4: about
9: a two-week period. Oh, and, dude, let me ask you a question. Did this start, was there a romantic comedy plot that happened afterward, and were you the lead character?
1: No, but I he wish. did fall into a... Burning ring of fire.
9: Yeah, I, I wish. Mm. So, yeah. It, 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 to,
3: to, yeah. So, th- that's, that's that, basically. But the bottom line is, I, I was managing GameStops. It was my college job. It got me through school. and um, uh, Somewhat well. And um, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a place to stay, and I had to be at work the next morning. And so, I literally took a shower, and I left and slept in my car. And I set my alarm. Um, I set my alarm yeah. for... Uh, just right when I needed to wake up. And in the darkness, I set it an hour late. This is a true story. So I get to my store on time to open it up, but it, it, I, you know, I needed to be there earlier than that. And um, it, it, they were running some type of corporate watch thing, and my DM got, my, my district manager got wind of it and came to me about it and said, look, um, this is kind of a problem. And uh, I was young and stupid, and I you know, you know, before I can undergo review for it, they just flat out, I just flat out quit. So, not the best. Yeah.
1: Came up and said, "Hey, Chris, uh, what's happening?"
3: Yeah. So, anyway, um, <laughs> what's the problem with those
1: TPS yeah. reports.
3: Yeah. And Dave, at the time, was Dave. managing a bank.
1: Wells Fargo, the mighty stagecoach rolls on. So,
9: wait, let me guess. So, so Chris comes in, holds up the bank in desperation, but then Dave talks him down. You guys end up stealing the money and making a, a run for the border. Uh, where you guys basically—it was like a buddy. It's a buddy picture. It's not we, a. We, we don't we make it. Buddy we dr-
3: drive off a cliff at the end uh, together. Yes.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. But I was wearing okay. a parachute
5: and I jumped out of the car. Nice. There's a cameo by Ben Stiller. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Very funny. And uh, and Robert Towney Jr. He has a right. great makeup job. That's it's
1: right. Awesome. And I I landed in a I landed in the back of a truck being being driven by a guy that looked like he should have been on ZZ Top. And then uh, Wesley Snipes jumped on me from on top of a building. So it was really cool. Wesley awesome. Snipes,
3: wow. So yeah, I, I needed a job, and um, through various, various connections, I, I had a friend who, uh, who knew this guy at Wells Fargo, and um, I had lots of sales and cash handling experience, and uh, I was originally applying to be a teller just because I needed work. And they said, wow, uh, we think you'd make a fantastic banker. And I said, I don't know anything about banking, and they said, well, we'll train you. And uh, that's how I met Dave.
1: See, I have this policy of, of hiring people that I think either are either as smart or smarter than I am, regardless of their past history. And it usually works out pretty well for me. Hmm. So,
9: yeah, I did, so I don't know why he hired me. Yeah. Oh, okay, so you, so you hired him and you were training him, but when did you guys discover you were both geeks? When did that moment happen? Pretty
1: much immediately, I think.
9: I think it was part of the key hiring
3: decision, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I hell, it, I, wasn't, it, it wasn't...
3: We, you, so you used to work at GameStop. It was,
1: dude,
6: you used to work at GameStop?
1: It was pretty and, much like that. Yeah, we started talking about City of Heroes immediately. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things. I had a whole crew of bankers that played... Oh, damn, what was that? Uh, Neverwinter Nights or uh, Baldur's Gate or something. One of the old... Yeah. Yeah, one of the yeah. old games. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I never, you know... Yeah, we've been playing MMOs in the bank for I don't know how long. So yeah, we hired him, and he became a pretty good banker, and then blah 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 blah. The rest was history, pretty much.
7: Yes,
3: and now we work together in IT.
1: <laughs> oh hey, you know what? And, awesome. and that's that's a, that's a decent segue because uh, a couple of a couple of uh, people actually emailed us to say IT IT. You know what? Do you, what exactly do you do in IT? And so, um, I will tell you. How about that? <laughs> we are both product managers at. Um, I don't even know if I, I yeah, a company called Argo, we write bank software for like uh big big banks. I can't really say what the client list is because they really keep that under lock and key, but really really big banks like Wells Fargo for example would be was one of, not those one of our clients, really big banks, but, but yeah. Banks of yeah. that magnitude. Yeah, banks of that magnitude. Yeah, I'm I'm a uh, senior product manager, and Chris is a is a product manager as well, and we do everything that relates to front line retail sales and teller operations. So we actually think up the crap that the developers actually wind up putting into code, and then you know when you walk into Bank of America, and a little teller person comes up and, "Hi, can I help you?" You know how they tackle you when you walk in the door at Bank of America, right? I hate banks. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, they're running a the system that we built in in a lot of these cases, a lot of the big banks.
9: Yes. And so you guys basically when because you guys are working at the same place, you guys you guys migrate together. Is that how that works?
3: Oh, well, this is no, honestly, I I got this I initially started work for this company got kind of not even because of Dave, but because of somebody else I worked with who was also working at this company. It's been kind of weird. We've migrated around. We've worked at two different banks together, um, but not you know, we we only worked at, we only worked together at the same branch at Wells Fargo, and um, then I left and went to work for a mortgage company for a, a good time until I got this job offer. And
1: um, he was yeah. recruited by a girl who he used to work with, who also used to work for me at one point in time. At, at one point, like what five percent? No, no, no. I don't remember how. What some there was some percentage of the company that actually had worked for me at one point in time in that company.
3: <laughs> yeah, we mapped it. Wow. It was like one point seven percent. Which is is substantial in a company of like
9: 300 people. Oh, huge. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm not going to be CEO of the company anytime soon, but you know. No, Vader, son, you cannot have a subprime loan. Sorry.
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's the answer to that question, long and laborious though it was. Yeah. So there we go.
1: Right. Rock. Okay. So yeah, that's how we met each other and knew each other. And then we hatched the idea for the Star Wars podcast Because I was lamenting the fact that I had done a NASCAR podcast a few years ago, and it kind of petered out, and I, you know, my brother and I did it, and then my brother moved away with some girl who broke his heart, and blah, 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 and I was missing podcasting, and so we decided to start this show a year ago. We actually started planning for it in 2007, and kicked off the first show, what, the 12th or 13th of uh, January 2008? Yes. A year ago?
3: The rest is that. It's been a fun ride. So been. that's that answer. Now, Sam, Sterling. Yes. Do you guys have a favorite moment of podcastum from the past
9: year? Oh, I, I just answered it, man. I said it was your it's your it's your chemistry. Every oh, the, moment. The, the Every rep moment, moment you guys are talking. Every oh. moment. Yeah. Um, totally. Well thank you very much. <laughs> Sterling?
3: Oh, anything?
7: I Nothing? Something? I, I actually <laughs> enjoy listening to um your uh, answers to the questions that come in. And, uh, I mean, it's interesting to hear what questions do come in because, um, you know, I have yeah. my own group that I play with and I have, uh, and I play at conventions and so forth, but, uh, it's always interesting to hear what other groups are up to and what, uh, sort of wrinkles they've discovered. And, and so that I've, I've really enjoyed that part of the, of the podcast. Um, yeah.
3: I'm surprised by the questions that we sometimes get in because sometimes there are these incredibly technical, you know, hardcore minutia rules lawyering questions. And other times it's like, you know, hey, I'm having trouble understanding this 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 basic concept. You know, I've, I've I've really, you know, this kind of what what I would call beginning gaming questions. I think it's I think it's marvelous. Um, well, and I think
7: you've done a good job at at selecting um, a range of questions so that you know they're not always these super detailed questions, or they're not always so basic that. Experienced gamers go, yeah, okay, I know what, that, what the answer to that is. So yeah. I think it keeps the podcast um, relevant to a wider wider range of li- of listeners.
9: Well, and I also think your judgment is is good. Your your focus is in the right place. I, if I didn't agree with most of what you guys said, I I wouldn't have wanted to you know I wouldn't have become a fan of the podcast.
6: Oh, that's
3: well so awesome. high praise. Thank you very much. That's greatness. Um, God, you're giving me a big head. I'm going to become Rodney Thompson after a little bit.
6: <sighs> hey, look
3: Rodney, at this. just this is, say the hey. word. I'll kick
9: this guy's ass, man. This is no, mess. no. <laughs> look at this, the, the
5: whole, yeah, the whole chat necessary. room. Yeah,
3: the but whole. see that's the thing. Rodney Sterling, Sam, you guys deserve to have big heads. You've made significant contributions to planet Earth. You know, all we're doing is sitting here with two geese with a microphone, lucky enough to have guys like you talking to us. Right. So that's what's really you know going on there. Look um, at look
1: at the whole chat room going through where they're from. Everywhere we've got some guys, somebody listening to us from uh, Australia, Kentucky,
3: North Carolina, New England, New York, Pittsburgh, Wisconsin, Iowa, Maine, New Jersey, New York, Sydney, Australia, Northern Alabama, Arkansas, Dude, Australia. It's gotta be uh, getting.
1: It's gotta be getting close to noon tomorrow in Australia. God, Northeast Dude,
3: Tennessee, man. Oregon, Texas, Florida, Sweden, Kentucky, Canada. Awesome.
1: Okay, all right, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we're going to hit uh, Galactic Dating Tips and then the Alex and Trevor Show, and then be back for looking forward to 2009 and advice from the masters that we have currently here in our show before they have to leave. Do it, do it. Do it. Oh, Sam, go ahead. Can you do do it. it. There it is. Do it. Oh, what I God.
8: And now it's time for Galactic Dating Tips with everyone's favorite Zeltron smuggler, Captain Theros.
0: You know how to turn me on. Oh, you got it going
2: on. Baby, you can make my day.
8: Greetings, party beings, it's your good friend Captain Theros coming at you once again, straight out of the mid-rim from Zeltros. I have another question here on my calm frequency. From our good friend Fiddleback, he's looking for some galactic dating tips. He says, "Dear Captain Theros, what is the best way to get those sexy female stormtroopers out of their armor and into war? Well, Fiddleback, it's pretty simple. When it comes to female stormtroopers, all you got to do show them your gun. As long as it's a nice heavy blaster pistol, they won't be able to get out of that armor fast enough for you hope that helps so there you go folks if you have any more uh, galactic dating tips questions you'd like to ask just send them on over to my com frequency on the uh, d20 radio boards and i'll work on getting them answered just as soon as possible that's all this is captain theros signing out
6: This is mostly Joe saying I never listened to the Order sixty six podcast, and neither should you. Happy anniversary, guys!
2: Welcome, Jedi Masters, to Fragments from the Rim.
11: How may we be of service to
2: you today? Hi, this is Alex
11: and Trevor.
10: This is segment three of Fragments from the Rim. For this segment, I've chosen to talk about one specific talent from the KOTOR book, the Noble Fencing Style, which you'll find on page 27. And I'm actually not talking about any of the other uh, talents in the Fencing Talent Tree, just Noble Fencing Style. One of the challenges of playing a Jedi character is that it's a mad class, a mutually attribute-dependent class. If you want to be a Jedi, you probably want force powers. That means you need charisma and you need wisdom. If you want to make use of your lightsaber, you probably need some strength. If you want a decent defense, you need dexterity. If you're going a straight Jedi class, they only start two skills, so you might want some intelligence. And then, somewhere in there, you probably want some hit points. So... It's always a challenge when you're building a Jedi character to deal with the fact that you have so many attributes that you need. Now, there's a couple of ways around this in in the core rulebook already, uh, weapon finesse and the talent within Jedi Knight, which allows you to use your dexterity for both to hit and damage. And that's where Noble Fencing Style comes in, because what it does is it allows you to use your charisma modifier to hit, not to do damage, but just to hit. And its requirements are that you're trained in deception and persuasion. Now, that really ties in nicely with Use the Force, which is, of course, based on charisma. So, you can build some very interesting Jedi characters using this talent. And here's an example of one build that I would love to play, and I'm hoping sometime that I'll be able to step out of the GMing chair and and spend some time as, a, as an actual Star Wars player for the first time in my life. I've only ever GMed. Build a character in which strength and dex are actually your dump stats. If you're using the point-by roll, you could ac- start them at eight, actually. Start in noble class for a whole pile of extra skills. Make sure you're trained in deception and persuasion. Take noble fencing style. So you start at first level, put a 16 into wisdom, a 16 into charisma, and you pick up force training as one of your first feats, and you've got a large number of force powers and the ability to use them at the same time as you can actually hit with a lightsaber then switch to jedi at level two and on pick up deflect and block and skill focus use the force and you actually will have some decent defenses at level one you're going to be fragile as all get out but once you get to level three or four you're going to have a really solid start for a character that has a large selection of skills, is able to hit with a lightsaber, and is capable of using force powers and has some decent defenses. And there's a lot of different choices that you could develop in that character. And that's my segment for this week. Over to you, Trevor.
11: This segment, I want to talk about an interesting thing I noticed about in the KOTOR rulebook, and that's that most noticeably in the uh, Noble Talent Trees, you'll see that a prerequisite for a lot of these uh, new talents is not only the presence or the born leader or those kind of things, but it's also persuasion. You have to be trained in persuasion. And I wonder why they decided to make that a limiting factor of taking these particular talents. Some talents, like the Scout has, where you have to be trained in pilot, it kind of makes sense because the talent is specifically associated with flying a ship. So that makes a little bit more sense. But... To me, with regards to the noble, it's very limiting to say you have to be trained in persuasion. I can understand anybody who would take these would probably want to be trained in persuasion. And they probably would end up being that way. But making it a prerequisite for you to get it on top of already having to have one of the core talents, just to me seems an unnecessary, arbitrary decision. And a system that tries to embrace diversity amongst the classes, never mind uh, between the classes, I think that it's created a very narrow concept when, you know, other than the fencing talent tree, all of the other talents that you can get just from this book for the noble, you have to be trained in persuasion. And I think, I realize you know, nobles have a lot more trained skills than anybody else, but at the same time, I think that that's just narrowing it down too precisely. I think that anybody could use these without being trained because they can just do it, and they just don't necessarily do it well. I don't understand the logic of why the developers decide to do that. Alex, are we out of here? I think we're done. All right, so if you have any questions or comments or wish to tell me that I'm completely wrong, feel free. Uh, you can email us at order66-fragments at rogers.com, and Alex and I will do our best to go through those emails. If you want us to talk about something specific, Feel free to uh, offer that up. Uh, ideas are always welcome. And until next time, have fun gaming.
1: Thank you, Masters, for visiting Fragments from the Rim. All right, boys, we're back. Nice little... Yes, we are. That's true. You are right. <laughs> God, I love I love the
3: statement of, of, of the truth, Dave. It's... Fantastic.
1: I am a firm man. I like it when he doesn't lie to
9: me. I just feel like you know he's a straight shooter. He tells you like it is. Yeah, on air.
1: Hey, (laughs) that's what happened. Okay,
9: so let me let me ask you guys something.
3: I've been actually blown away by the amount of listener content that we get in, Um, not just bumpers, but stuff like you know Stormtrooper poetry, stuff like Captain Thero's fragments from the Ram. Um, I think it's I think it's very interesting. And Rodney, I I understand that you probably can't say yay or nay either way, but several of us are fairly confident that, especially looking at the errata and the clarifications and stuff that's coming out in books, that Watsi is taking a look at what the community is saying. They they need clarification on what they like and what they want to see, and you're giving that. Um, And that's a pretty pretty awesome and, and, dare I say, Rare thing. Um, I mean, what do you? you know, what 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 can you say about that? If anything,
5: well, if by wizard's looking at what the fans are saying, you mean me? Then yeah, yeah. because <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty much me. Uh, no, yeah, I mean, there's always this interesting balance between listening to the fans and taking what they say as gospel, right? the The thing to remember is that there's always different perspectives on things, and there'd be a lot of times where I'll see. Outcry about something, and I'll know for a fact, you know, that those people are wrong or misinterpreting something, or what have you. So there, typically, anything that raises a lot of uh, questions uh, sends up a flag for me, and I'm like, okay, I need to address that. Also, there are always things that I notice after a book has always gone to print, right? I mean, one thing that's very annoying is that. You know, I get my copies of the books about a month before you guys do, and it never fails. The first day I have the book, I'm like, oh, I meant to fix that and didn't. Crap. So, yeah, it, it's, it's always this challenge to, you know, listen to the fans, but also keep a perspective that, you know, a, f- a fan may not know as much of what's coming out later. You know, in in the product line. So, yeah, this doesn't make much sense now, but it may make some more sense later. Or why was this left out? Or you know, what have you? It's always it's always a matter of balancing perspectives between what I think is right and what's clearly you know troubling the audience.
3: Well, that makes pretty good sense. Um, but I I don't know it, it, it's that would be a tough balancing act for for me at least. Um, so yeah. hey, kudos. There you go. Um, Dave, um, I got a, I got a voicemail, um, apparently while Fragments of the Room was going on. It looks like we missed a phone call. We did? Yeah, from, uh, from, uh, uh a good buddy, uh, a TK.
1: Oh, we did? TK?
3: Yeah, I know. Um, we can do, uh, you, if you want to try calling him back, maybe we can get him on the oh. line. I don't know. Okay. He may have left his post at this point.
1: All right. Well, yeah, he may have left his point his post, but okay. All right. We'll give it a shot. Okay. Remember how he creamed himself last time he talked to Sam. So let's see what happens. All huh. right. Yeah, I don't know what happens there, but anyway, we'll see. TK called. But
9: this this very strange that he would call in. Usually we call him, what's what's the deal?
1: Yeah, I, I well, he heard a one year thing was going on, so anyway, we'll try and get him back in here. Uh <laughs> uh TK TK421, uh Sam Whitworth calling for uh and uh, Sterling Hershey and um Rodney Thompson calling for TK421. Are you there, sir? Well, guys, does the heck you all do? Well,
12: <laughs> wow! Wow! Hey, well, hi, Sam. How you doing?
9: I'm great, man. How are you? That's good. That's good.
12: Uh, hey, hey, uh, 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 Mr. Hershey.
7: Yep.
9: Uh, h- how are you
12: doing, sir?
7: I'm doing just fine. How are you doing?
12: Oh, I'm fantastic, sir. I was, I was calling in. Well, I wanted to call in, you know, to, to wish my good friends, Christian Dave, a happy anniversary. But I wanted to ask you a question, man. What do you, what do you, what do you do with your minis? I, I, I've been buying these minis, man. You know, and I've been starting to play them, and they're, they're pretty fun. You know, we play them down at the Cantina, You know, and I, I've been keeping them in my utility belt, but I'm, I'm just getting so many. So I was thinking, you know, I might be able to stick them up in my helmet. You know, maybe kind of. You know, but I find that the heat of my head in the, in the armor, it kind of gets them all soft and good. and they, they, you know, I, I ruined a couple of good ones so far. Oh,
7: what? You so know what? What you really need is a bandolier.
12: Oh, that's
7: brilliant!
12: See, that is why you are the man. You are, I tell you, this old
7: <laughs> See, then you can get one bandolier when you get the next set comes out. You just buy a second one and cross them over your shoulders, oh, Cross the that, chest.
12: That's brilliant! I, I knew you'd be the man to talk to about that. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Mr. Thompson, are, are you there, sir? But of course. Oh, how, how are you doing, Ozer?
5: I am doing great, man, it's good to hear from you again.
12: Oh, it, it, it's nice talking to you too, man. It's, it's good talking to you too. Um, I, I was glad you was going to be on. Um, uh, not you know, I was really excited to talk to Mr. Hershey, but 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 Mr. Thompson, I'm, I was glad you was going to be on because I had a question. Um, well, uh, kind kind of important question. Um, okay. Uh, I was wanting to see who I might be able to talk to about maybe. Maybe getting my my picture and my my, my, my statistical uh, leanings maybe in an in an upcoming product uh, released by your fine organization. Um, I think I have a lot to offer to the gaming community, and uh, you know I could I could you know, I I would do it for free.
5: I'm sure you would. Yeah, uh, that sounds great. In fact, I uh, think we might be able to work something out. So I'll just have my people call your people, and we'll uh, set something up. Oh, that'd be wonderful.
12: Thank you, Mr. Thompson. I, I appreciate it. Um, oh, oh, Mr. Whitworth? Bro. Uh, oh, I don't really have much to talk to you about. <laughs>
9: uh, wow, wow. What's up with that, TK? We used to be so tight, man. What the yeah, hell is uh, going on with you?
12: Uh, well, you, you know, uh, um, uh. You've changed. Uh, was... You've changed. <sighs> I know it happens to a man so I'm sorry is this, this because
9: what, let me ask you a question is this because i'm 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 dating clone women now are, are you like feeling like I'm taking your women or you know what's up with that
12: oh, I don't prefer clone women uh, i'm I'm much more of a Rhodian man uh, really you know, it's, it's it's the eyes and the little suction cups on the ends of the fingers <laughs> yeah. yeah that'll do it that'll oh, do yeah. it man but uh, uh, well, listen, I can't talk too long, but I just wanted to call it. And Dave, are you there, Dave?
1: Yes, of course I'm here, sir.
12: I want you to know as my anniversary present, I'm not going to expect a check for this phone call.
1: Wow. Wow.
12: <laughs> I'm so happy about
1: that. I can't even tell you. That'll save me a dollar ninety-eight.
12: <laughs> well, you know, I want you to be able to, you know, maybe give me a bonus come next year. so you Save it. Uh, yeah. Uh, event, uh, uh, it's good talking to y'all. Uh, uh, Mr. Sterling Hershey and Mr. Rhonda Thompson, thank y'all for answering my questions. And, uh, uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Later, hosers. Keep later. safe.
1: Let's see you later, TK. Bot. Rotten hell. Uh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You know, he never talks to me.
9: I know. Yeah, he has oh. nothing to say to you. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Total. Punk. He's he's kind of. I gotta tell you, man. He's he's morally and ethically somewhat bankrupt. Yeah. He's uh, an al- he's an alcoholic, and he's a womanizer. And I, I I honestly don't know at times why you guys associate with him. Yeah, he's fun at parties. Sure, you know, and that goes a long way. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, that
3: goes a long way. Don't you know? He is very fun at parties. So you know. I...
9: But you guys, I just want to put this out there: you guys are enabling his behavior by. Uh, funding this guy,
1: yeah.
3: Well, what well, we pay him, I don't think we enable too terribly much. But right. that's you know. I
1: mean, we did have a volunteer. Like, um, I think his I think his call was like J W four three seven or something. I forgot which, but he volunteered for the mm. gig. He said TK is never at his post. He knows it, and he's a new breed of stormtrooper that's always available. Well, that's something. I'll...
3: Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, back to the meat of the show, guys. Um, two more things I really wanted to to kind of get to this this episode. Um, this may be a very short uh segment, so uh, I I don't know, but I'm 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 gonna ask anyway. No. God, um, no, 2009 no, is no, coming, coming. <laughs> and obviously I know that uh, Rodney and Sterling, you guys can't talk about anything that hasn't already been talked about, but uh, and Sam, of course, you, you too. Um. But in terms of what you can talk about, what are some really cool things that, that we can look forward to uh, in, you know, in, y'all's, you know, in, in y'all's career? Sam, if you're doing anything really cool. Um, Rodney, anything you're working on? Sterling, anything of that nature? Is there anything awesome for 2009 that we can really look forward to?
5: Well, I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, yeah, well, so we obviously I can't talk about anything that hasn't officially appeared in the Wizards of the Coast catalog or anything like that. Um, I'm really jazzed about Legacy, um, the Legacy Era Campaign Guide, which Sterling worked on as well. Uh, it was actually a really interesting project because there's only three designers on it, and it's a pretty big book, which is kind of unusual. Usually we have four or five, but we actually, the three of us, uh, Sterling and Gary Asselford and I, all three, Tackled that book, so there's uh, there's a lot of each of us as individuals in that book that I'm pretty excited about. It's uh, it's got a little bit lighter amount of new game mechanics uh, as compared to like the Clone Wars campaign guide, which has the mass combat rules and follower rules and oh. a few other things like that. But um, Legacy is sort of like uh, an Isolated Old Republic in that we get to explore parts of the universe that we haven't really seen much on yet. So we got to add new things. We got to define new things. And I think that the Legacy era is absolutely perfect for role-playing. I run my own campaign in the Legacy era. So hopefully people will like it as much as we do. Yeah, I can't nice. wait for it. I can't wait for it.
7: and I'll, I'm pretty excited to see how... Um, some of this, stu- some of the new stuff that we did write for, it, how much that gets integrated in. Um, there were some places where, uh, since there's uh, you know a lot of, uh, you know a lot less material in the legacy era than some of the than like the Kotor era in some ways, and so we got to do a lot of new stuff because of that. And uh, I'll be interested to see what all makes the cut.
3: Awesome. Uh, Sam, I, I know you're, you're probably the most cloak and dagger of anyone here. I shudder to um,
1: even think what's about to come out of that man's mouth.
9: Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, you know, what do you. I'm, I'm uh, putting together an adult film company. You know, I uh, <laughs> make some drugs through Mexico. Starting I got this thing going on with these these girls from Russia, it's, and I'm getting them in the country. Oh, I've been to that dude. website.
1: Hey, as long as it's, one of them speaks like Yoda, that's fine.
9: Dude. Three of them do. It's badass. It's uh. So no, I I obviously I really have no idea. As an actor, you really never don't know. But in terms of the things that I do know, can't talk about it. But I'm working on the music and stuff, and I'm um working on other things that I probably can't talk about. So you know, why don't wow get off my back, guys? What's up? Why you gotta be like all you know? Hey Sam, why don't you answer some questions? And I'm like, whoa, why don't you? back off and not ask questions you're like but that's what we're here to and i'm just you know it's a mess guys get off my back so sam i got tmz over my shoulder here okay
1: no no no. i was just telling sam i got tmz on the other line here i I thought i was gonna feed him some good stuff (laughs) but
5: awesome Awesome. Uh, I was just—I was just gonna say. So speaking of Sam's music, I actually got my hands on a copy of the Crashtone CD thanks to a judicious trade with Sam. And I gotta tell you guys, if any of you guys out there are looking for a good new band, you gotta check out uh, Sam's stuff. It's actually really good. Do you, thanks. Yeah. Do cool you do weddings, man? Really. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. I've got it on my iPod. I listen to it uh, every couple of weeks or so. It's uh, it's on a pretty steady rotation. Good stuff. Kid.
9: Yeah. I, I the the trade worked out well for me. Did I did I get a scum and villainy out of that? Is that what I got?
5: That is indeed what you got.
9: But see, but you know, here's hey. the thing. Uh, my you give me a scum and villainy, and my players get jealous. And you've just sold six scum and, vill- and villainies. That's how it goes.
5: Well, yeah. That's, yeah. that's how it goes. That that sounds terrible. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep.
3: <laughs> excellent well um fantastic thank you well kind of where i want to segue into and kind of end this off and and we we'll take as long or as little as this needs i, I really wanted to get some uh, as dave said before advice from the masters um and i kind of said it i think i think the three of you are, are a collection of incredibly creative minds just bottom line in in several respective fields and I've not a single doubt that all of you are excellent GMs and very fun players. So I wanted to take some time to talk about that, um, which is, uh, you know, again, what, what I'd be willing to bet few people really want to talk to you about. Um, so uh, a few questions, I guess. And, and I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want this to be serialized questions. I kind of want the conversation flow, but to kind of to kind of kick it off, we uh, it intrigued me as we were answering one of the questions that came on earlier, you know, talking about giving GM advice in terms of how to deal with a problem player. I I had the privilege of um, a a good buddy of mine, uh, Tenny, um, actually got introduced to the Saga system not six months ago and fell in love with it and actually just GM'd his first game, um, which which Brev and I played in. It was a Clone Wars game, and he was really reluctant to do it before the campaign source book came out, but he decided to get the first session done anyway. Um, So it's one of the things that I, I, I get a lot of email from new GMs that have never done this before, and, you know, you know, it's kind of one of the things you just offer advice. So, I mean, starting, I guess, Rodney and Sterling. I mean, if, if you guys had one piece of advice, general piece of advice you could give a GM, whether it be an experienced GM or a new GM, uh, I mean, role playing in general, not just necessarily Star Wars. What would it be? What words of wisdom can you impart?
5: Uh, <laughs> wow, well, that's not daunting at all. None. See, <laughs> I got the Eevee, best Eevee, ones! Eevee,
3: yeah. Eevee. So, I mean, seriously, what? Let's let's talk about gaming. Let's talk about GMing. I mean, seriously, what do you what do you what do you like what you know what are some what are some key keystones that you can point to
5: so I, I i don't know if i can give you the most sage piece of advice that i've ever come across but i want to give you a piece of advice that i actually just really have come to understand over the last 6 months and that is don't postpone your good ideas. Uh, What I mean by that is, traditionally in the past, when I've been crafting adventures or campaigns, I've been tempted to take my good ideas and sort of spread them out over, you know, several adventures, right? So I say, you know what? I really want to have a cool scene where they fight a rancor. I'll put that in the fourth adventure they play, because that'll be a little bit down the line. And what I've come to realize is whenever possible, just go ahead and use it, right? One, you never know when a campaign is going to end prematurely, and two, you're always going to have more good new ideas. And that way you don't end up playing through the filler on the way to the good idea, right? Uh, What's kind of made me realize this are my two campaigns that I have running right now. My Monday night Forgotten Realms campaign that runs uh, 4th Edition D&D, and then also my Friday uh, Star Wars game that's running the Legacy Era. And what I've kind of started doing is, uh, I didn't know how long either of these campaigns were going to last because uh, one of them I was kind of thrust into the Dungeon Mastering seat, and the other one is a you know it's a game with players that kind of rotate in and out and so I said you know what whenever I have a good idea next session if I can work it in I'm going to and it's worked crazy well right like every session I've run has led to really cool cinematic and you know exciting things. I haven't had to worry about you know trying to plan things for the future as much and just kind of let all the fun get out there right away. And I haven't found myself wanting for ideas and usually You know, when I have a cool idea, I can stick it in there, and it takes up you know a session's worth of time, and you know I don't have to worry about coming up with anything new until the next session. So I've got a whole another week, and so yeah, I I think that. Maybe it was just me, but I suspect that a lot of DMs sort of over-plan their future games, right? They're like, "Okay, I'm gonna, you know, carefully plan out when they're gonna meet this bad guy, and when they're gonna fight this bad guy, and when they're gonna be in this space battle, and what have you." And I think that you know, when you can, maybe just move it all up, right? Don't, don't use filler. Just get the fun out there as quickly as possible. So that's that's something I've been. Tr- you know, trying to force myself to do with my two new campaigns that I've been running. Well, actually, they're not new anymore. I've been running for six, eight months now. But um, yeah, just when you have a good idea, use it. And I, I think that it's going to end up being really rewarding for people.
3: Well, that's yeah, that's, that's pretty darn good advice, actually. Um,
7: Sterling, um, I would say don't be. A, you know, if you're an even if you're a new GM or uh, even if you're an experienced GM. Don't be afraid to try different ways of GMing. Um, one thing I'm I've been doing for the last couple of years, um, particularly this last year, is I've been running two different Star Wars campaigns. One's been the um, uh, Donna Defiance campaign, which is very structured, you know, running the published um, adventures, and the other one has been a um, on again, off again sort of monthly campaign where it's really been more of a player-driven thing, where uh, it's you know the next session is very much based on what happened in the previous session, and so uh by by running these two different campaigns it's been really an interesting way to co- sort of contrast how the adventures uh work together and how they're um uh how they're you know and how they're structured and you know don't be afraid to build upon a great idea that your players have um in the player run in this player more driven campaign that I have um you know at one point, they ended up, um, finding the starship, and they were supposed to go out and find this crashed ship, take some stuff off of it, and haul it back to some crime lord. Well, in the meantime, when they get out there, they de- they decide that, hey, we can, um, turn the, you know, use this ship, we can repair it, we can, and of course, the ship's trashed, and so it was going to take a lot of work to do that, but to them, it was a free ship. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, seemingly free ship, but, uh. So that was uh, a lot of fun to see the players get excited with that, and uh, so I think you can learn something just from um, uh, running the game a little bit differently.
3: Well, that makes sense. Now okay, you bring up a good point. You talk about about you know player-driven storylines. and Rodney, I mean, uh, pipe in here too. when you' I mean, one of the things I know I, I mentioned recently when we did a podcast on building a, a campaign was talking about you know the fact that you <laughs> the, the best laid plans. <laughs> Um, just kind of get, tend to get tossed out the window. Um, and Sam, if you're, if you're packed with me, you pipe up too, please.
9: Um, oh yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is you're, you're feeding right into what my advice would be.
3: So. Oh, well, okay. Well, well, they, well lay, lay it on us, dude.
9: Well, dude. Yeah. Do not railroad the players. They can tell the difference. You, you know, you might think you're clever and you're steering it back and you know, a little bit of that is fine. We all do it, but, um, when you really let them go off the rails and kill, you know, some key NPC that you really needed or, or something else happens, they sense it. And when they can do whatever they want, they eventually end up do, playing a little bit more sensibly like you want them to, anyway. I found that my group. Um, they were slightly more unpredictable and rebellious when they sensed that they were being controlled a little bit, when they, when they really felt like they could do anything they wanted. And they tested the boundaries, and they did some despicable, terrible things. They held up a family and, and you know, carjacked them, and they did all kinds of crazy stuff. And as soon as they realized, I wasn't going to do a damn thing to stop them, aside from any kind of, you know, the police would come after them or something like that. As soon as they realized they could do whatever they want, they started having a conscience about what they were doing and they started believing in it a lot more, and they started investing. Um, their, their suspension of disbelief was kicked way up because they now felt like they were in a real world rather than some uh, novel that I'd written independent of them that I wanted them to play the lead characters. You know, that's that's no fun for for anyone. And, uh, you know, I I'd, I'd heard something, either it was on Rodney's podcast or, or Order 66, where some uh, GM laid out a map of some spaceship, and the players happened to get right to the the boss of the whole ship and they happened to get there before they'd gone through all the traps and stuff like that and, and so the GM didn't let them pick the lock to the door to get in because he wanted them to go this long way around and go through all these traps. Um, you know what? They earned it. Let them in. Save those traps for later. Just, okay. you know, they, let, they're going to detect when, you know, they can see that little panic in your eyes when you start, uh, start, you know, pushing them back into a corner. That's...
3: Yeah, I've I've experienced that myself quite a bit. Um Sterling, Rodney, what's what's y'all's take on that? How do you guys deal with player railroading? How do you deal with letting players guide the story? How do you, you know I mean, do do you let it go off the rails? Do you encourage it to go off the rails? How how do you guys balance that?
7: Uh, for me it just sort of depends. If it's Dawn of Defiance, I will make a little bit more of an oh. effort to keep them <laughs> sure within the storyline. But but my players are all very experienced. Um I mean they've all been playing for probably a decade or more each. And so you know they, they know what they signed up for, and so um, they don't necessarily push the boundaries that much. But uh, uh, they, they still you know they still they're still players, and so they, they still do some crazy things. And sometimes um, you know if you don't present all the material quite the way it needs to be presented, sometimes they'll 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 go off on a tangent you didn't expect that makes perfect sense for what they know, and then it's a matter of going okay, what information did they miss, and trying to bring them back uh, around. And there's been but there's been times where I've rearranged uh, uh, a number of uh, encounters just to, to make some of that work out well you know what it is is you can steering it
9: back toward where the storyline quote-unquote should go um, the big basic key is if they've accomplished something let them accomplish it if, if something has happened or they steer the story in a certain direction let it really really impact if you and you know don't don't disregard anything that's happened and and have it play as big of an impact on your story as you can before you start steering it back into the direction of where it needs to go. If, it, if in fact, it has to go in a certain direction.
7: Uh, yeah, it's, let it it's important. Sorry, I was going yeah, to say it's important not to cheat them out of, their, out of uh, their fun, basically.
9: Yeah, they need to feel like they made a dent in whatever's going on around them. They need to feel like that's, you know, and, and if something happens, that just doesn't make sense or they feel like they're being steered. Yeah, my my players, personally, they become a little bit rebellious. And they should. They absolutely should. They have every right to uh, want to control
5: their own destiny, you know? Rodney? So I'm going to say something that sounds like it makes absolutely no sense, but it, once I explain it, I hope it'll make more sense. I think that the best way to railroad your players, and a way that you should railroad your players, is to give them choices, and yeah, I know that, that makes sounds, no sense,
0: Rodney. No, yeah, that makes no sense. I know sense, that sounds bro.
5: nonsensical. I'm no. sorry that I'm sorry that I've confused you, Sam. So I'm, I'm I'll try done. To speak slowly. I'm, I'm done listening. Anyway, I can't handle it. All right. So the best way to reward your players is to give them choices. This is something I discovered in my Monday night D and D game that I have since ported over to my Star Wars game, and here's how it works. Basically. I sit down when I do my game prep and I think of like three ish, maybe two, sometimes even as many as four, but three basically short adventures that I could throw at my players, right? And I just kind of sketch out the very, very basics. Like, you know, okay, we'll have an encounter with an ATST and we'll have a space combat over whatever planet, right? And then what I do is, before they begin, I, I kind of pre- present them with these different options. So maybe they're in a spaceport somewhere, and over the course of the first 10-15 like, minutes of the session, they get these three different adventure hooks, right? And what I have found that my players are more likely to do is to then pick from those instead of trying to go off on their own, right? So that way i've still done the prep for those three adventures right and maybe you only what you really want to do is you know come up with these three adventure ideas do the prep for the first couple of encounters and the first you know sessions worth of that adventure for each one that way when they pick one you're ready for that first session and then you can go back and fill in the rest of the gaps for the rest of your adventure you can take those other two ideas and save them, once again, present them to the players later, along with maybe a new third idea, and let them basically make that choice again. And what that does is it keeps your players from just going off on a tangent... By giving them these choices that they will then choose and feel like they have control. It's sort of a... I kind of feel like a little bit of a bastard doing it, right? Because (laughs) what it's really doing is it's playing with their subconsciouses, right? Players want to have control over their characters what what you're really what you're really doing though is you're actually presenting these three options that they choose and still feel like they have control so it's sort of this uh, no reverse psychology isn't the right way to, to put it right but it's like you know i'm giving you the illusion of choice and that's really all it is is it's the illusion of choice now occasionally you'll get players that will go off on their own right but when you've presented them with these options and then they choose one you're still prepared, you're still ready to go. And that can actually apply down to the the character level, or or excuse me, down to the adventure level, right? So you might have, you know, three different paths they can take when they break into the Star Destroyer, right? Oh, you can go up this turbulent shaft, or you can go down this corridor, or you can go through these, you know, air ducts, right? And when they choose one of those, they're going to feel like they've made a choice, and you're still absolutely prepared. So, yeah, and that's exactly what I do. Thankfully, none of my players in either of my campaigns listen to this podcast, although I don't think it would be too great of a secret if they figured it out. But, yeah, that's that's how I handle it. I, I railroad, but I do it in a sneaky way so my players have no idea that I've done it.
9: That's okay, very okay, well, clever. I, Does that work for, for, like, girlfriends or wives? Can you do that? Uh, I was just going to
5: ask that. no. <laughs> okay.
1: I have an important question,
9: Rodney, and I have a problem with what you just said.
3: Why don't your players listen to my podcast?
1: Uh, yeah, I yeah,
5: have a whoa, problem whoa, with that, whoa. too. Yeah, dude. Because I never listen to the Order 66 <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Duh. Oh.
3: Boom. Boom!
5: Boom! Damn! Hey, there we go. Hi! Hey. No, yeah, well, so most of my players are uh, also professional game designers, and unlike uh, me, most of them don't have time to listen to podcasts for whatever reason, so yeah. However, you have had a couple of them do bumpers for you. Um, Chris Tulak is in my Monday uh, Forgotten Realms game, and he used to be in my Star Wars game until he had to drop out. So you've got you've got at least uh, you've had a little little bit of interaction with one of my players at least. God, oh, we cool. had to drop
3: out. What? Like he's busy. What? Like he's got things to do.
5: God. Yeah, it's not like he Jeez. runs a national organization of uh, gamers, you know, for free or anything. Yeah. God,
3: top. Okay. Ah. Now, Sterling, you mentioned something you that I, I feel is an important point in all this because we're talking about this stuff. Now, one of the beautiful things I think that you guys have managed to do is create an awesome set of free um, uh, pre-generated modules um, in terms of Dawn of Defiance. And uh, there's times and, – and Sterling, as you said, you know, there's times when you really can't let them go too much off the track – and back in back in the day when I used to when I used to to DM to a lot of of uh, three five RPGA play, it was one of those things where you, you reach a point where you're like, okay, guys, you're you're totally off the mod at this point, and you know you might actually say something like that. And you know, and experienced players, you know, they, they know if they're going on or off. And I think I've told the story. I mean, like the fourth or fifth time I ever um, uh, GM'd uh, I think I, the Dawn of Defiance for this one group, and uh, spoiler alert for anyone who's listening, if you've not played Dawn of Defiance, I apologize, spoiler alert, just don't listen for the next 30 seconds. Um, when the players are first introduced to Darga the Hutt, okay, in his, in his little, you know, uh, uh, little swatty village, on what is it, Cato Nemoide, I think? Um, right. Um, basically, they insult him. And, you know, according to the mod, well, he, he responds appropriately. It's very indignant. And one of the players basically says, e- enough. Um, I pull out my gun and shoot the hut. I'm like, what? You, you, you're going to do, You're gonna? yep, I'm going to do that. And, you know, and at that point, the force user says, yeah, I'm going to lift him into the air and hurl him against the wall. You're going to lift the hut into the air and hurl him against the wall. Uh-huh. And he actually succeeded, which was kind of crazy. But that was pre uh, uh he was a force-using scoundrel, and it was pre-errata, so he was using fool's luck, which, eh. <laughs> Good errata, by the way. Um, and so it was one of the things, at that point, I just took the mod, literally threw it over my shoulder and said, okay, let's do it. And, you know, that was a, uh, that was a TPK. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, when you're in a situation like that, it, how do you guys handle somebody going off of a off of a mod because I think a lot of our listeners, a lot of our players take advantage of the resources you give them and they play on a defined, so they play uh, pre-made modules or, you know, whether it be for star Wars or other systems, slow mercury
7: poisoning. Well, just let's see. Oh, uh, yeah, well,
3: that, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, Sterling. Yeah.
7: Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, you know, in that kind of situation where they're starting to go after the hut. Um, I mean, there's a few ways to, to handle it and certainly uh, TPK is one of them <laughs> start over. Uh, but, uh, you could, you could also, you know, bring in a whole bunch of, uh, guys that are part of the HUD's court that are, you know, sort of off camera, uh, to provide protection at the last minute and try and protect the HUD. Um, you could, uh, and then, and then let the, the heroes then have to go through the rest of the, uh, the rooms and so forth in the hut's um, lair, um as you know as close as you can get to the module at that point of course everybody all the huts people would be aware that they're enemies and all that making it much tougher but it, it doesn't completely cut them off from the material in in the uh, in the adventure um... although i will say that on donna defiance my own group has uh, especially in some of those earlier adventures and again this is a bit of a spoiler for anyone who hasn't played um, some of the earlier adventures, they started getting used to having an ambush in the middle of the night uh, because it seemed like there were several um, adventures in a row where they had sort of, they started calling it their, their, their um, uh, scheduled 2 a.m. ambush. <laughs> um, so uh, they, they started seeing certain patterns and things. But uh that became for us that just became part of the game and part of the part of an on running joke and so when it stopped happening with some of the later ones um you know they'd still be looking for it and still be hoping kind of almost that it would be there you know? so we had a good time with that but so you can work some of that stuff into your game, but uh, uh it, you know players are going to be players it's always a challenge
3: true that, true that Sam Rodney, any words of wisdom on
6: that
9: um um, I got uh, I got nothing. Yeah, uh, strike first, strike hard, no mercy. That's that's my advice.
1: Strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. I can't hear you. Strike first, strike. Yeah, there you go. That's beautiful. There you
9: I, go. I I actually can't hear uh, you. Your microphone volume is down,
1: so Mr. We'll Miyagi.
9: Really? <laughs> oh, how about this? How about this? Oh, oh yeah, that's, hey, really, that's hey. something better there. Yeah, you know, by the way, I want to I want to put this out there. I was uh at um CompUSA USA a few years ago, CompUSA USA closed now, but but a few years ago, I was at CompUSA USA down in Burbank, and who did I see uh, but Sensei John Kreese himself, Martin Cove, uh, buying oh. a television. Wow. Wow. Sensei. Yep, yep. The, the epitome of evil uh, uh, in the Cobra Kai karate um, circuit. Well- what brand of television was he buying sweep the leg. Uh, dude, yeah. A big one. And you know, and I was afraid to go up and talk to him because I was afraid that he might point to someone and say, Sweep the leg. Do you have a problem with that? And I'd say frighten frightening you all know, frightened and stuff, I'd say no sensei and he'd say no mercy. And then I'd have to go and I'd have to live with that. And I'm not I'm not doing that. I don't you want to do that. Don't want to live with that. No. Fair. Okay, well on the same vein,
3: guys. So this is GM advice. Fantastic. Well, there are players that listen to the cast, too. And we've had a lot of brand new players that have come to listen to to the cast (laughs) and and are getting involved with the system for the first time. If you could give one piece of advice to a brand new player to this system, what would it be?
5: Wow. Don't Uh, jump in all at once, though. Uh, well, you know, I'm trying to be polite and let other people <laughs> jump in here, you know. Interesting. I, yeah, almost, interesting. L- me, I don't always sh- have to be the first one to answer.
3: That's true. Well, okay, I'll, I'll dictate. You, can, you have the privilege of being the first one to answer this time. Okay, so <laughs> Rodney, Rodney, what do you, what, okay. seriously, what, what words of wisdom for the, for the, for
5: the noob? Um, I think that my possibly somewhat snarky answer would be, hey, man, just relax. It's only a game because I see a lot of people get really worked up over stuff. And the other thing, too, is I I think for a new player, if you're new to role-playing games as a whole, it's also kind of important to remember that role-playing games are a cooperative experience. So you want to make sure that everybody's having fun. So if you ever kind of get the feeling that something you're doing is annoying your game master or annoying one of your other players, maybe it's time to step back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not contributing to the fun of this session, right? And I, I'll be the first one to admit that one of the things that brings this up is the players who, you know, basically... Go out of their way to try and break a system for whatever reason. I suspect it's to say, "Ha ha! Look how fallible those game designers are." I but, beat
6: Star Wars.
5: Yes, exactly right. And and I think that you know, that's if that's what you find fun, maybe a role playing game isn't the best uh, venue for that, just because it's such a cooperative game. As for advice for the new Star Wars Saga Edition player, uh, my advice would to be would be start small. Start with the core rulebook and work your way up gradually once you feel comfortable with it. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed because the key to the Star Wars role-playing game experience is to have a fast and action-packed game. So if you're only handling, you know, a few things at once, your turn's gonna go fast, you're gonna feel caught up in the moment, and you're also, you know, you should also not be afraid to take risks, right? I mean, Jedi. And heroes in the Star Wars saga do crazy risky things all the time. And, you know, sometimes you just got to jump out of a window and try to grab onto a hovering droid hundreds
7: of stories above the floor of Coruscant.
3: Excellent advice. Uh, yes, you know, don't
7: be afraid to be cinematic. That, see, that's, that's yeah, something that's I-
9: exactly where yeah. I was going to go with it. That this is, uh, first and foremost, I mean, there's, we were talking about this before the podcast. There's this slant these days... Toward a very mechanical style of gaming and you know, guys, what do we get to do here that we don't get to do in World of Warcraft? We get to really live really live in an imagined world where we can change things around us and and really affect the environment and affect the people that, that we meet and we get to do all these really cool things. And uh do that. You know, be more concerned with who your character is and what his or her motivations are and and uh, be maybe a little bit less concerned about the mechanics. It's like they said, th- these two fine gentlemen said early in the podcast. It's the mechanics are to support the story. So just go in there and be cinematic and make your own Star Wars movie in your head.
3: Well, there you go.
7: Starts. I mean, one, one of the things that, that um, I've, I do is that uh, if somebody wants to do something that's really cinematic and... Uh, you know they have a, a really cool action that they they want to do in the middle of a game, uh, whether it's an attack or whatever. Um, I will do my best to make that work. With, I'll try and get it within the rules, and if that doesn't work, I'm not, I'm willing to bend them just a little bit to make a cool scene happen. And um, um, that was always some advice I always had from uh, back in the West End Games days, and it works really well with Saga as well. So um, w- the rules. It's the same are, you thing. Really I, like you know,
9: I do it. I, I do a, a version of that as well. If they come up with some really clever, cool, cinematic, awesome thing, I will give them like a circumstance bonus. I'll make it a little... I'll make it so that their idea is reflected in the game mechanics and um, encourage... You know, you want to encourage not only creativity, but boldness and and creative flair and, and charisma more than anything. You want... Your players to be charismatic you want to encourage them to speak in character to each other and generate fun dialogue between them rather than sitting at the table and having a a, a big strategy talk saying oh you go here and then i'm going to activate this power and this not and no no no. how about how about no one talks to anyone except in character and you know might shout something out and and mistakes when they happen when one player doesn't do what the others expect that's a good thing that's it adds uh unpredictability to it. Han Solo, when he was trying to uh, pick the lock to the, to the shield bunker, he messed it up and the shield bunker closed up and it was hilarious. And that type of thing adds a great amount of charisma and fun to the game when, when things go wrong. And in my last game, uh, my brother who plays the noble, he had this artifact, the Sith artifact that everyone was trying to get. It was the big MacGuffin and they were in this big temple and there was a, a little pit in front of them, sort of a sacrificial pit and there was all these, all these uh, ruins and jewels in the wall, and the, then the scoundrels were picking the jewels out of the wall while the other guys were studying this big hollow map and all this stuff. Well, the bad guys arrive, obviously. And my brother, immediately seeing that this is going down, he grabs the artifact and holds it over the pit, and he goes, hold! You know, no one move! And everyone paused. And then immediately, uh, the soldier of the group takes his rifle and starts blasting the bad guys. And a huge, you know huge gun battle breaks out. My brother hits the deck, everyone starts screaming. But, you know, they 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 could have gone with my brother's suggestion. It's just that the soldier got trigger happy and things went to hell from there. But that's that's funny. That's hilarious. That's that's what we do it for. Well, that cinematic aspect is is very interesting.
3: Now, Sterling, you mentioned earlier that you have a an experienced group of players that have been playing for a long time. Yes. Um when when that happens, I mean, because I mean, myself in in my own play groups, I have I have you know I'm, I have several. One is all hardcore experienced people. The other is a nice mix, and the other is pretty much noobs. Um, do you find with your experienced gamers that they tend to air towards? more the cinematic or when they get a nerd with the system, when they get a nerd in terms of how it goes, do they tend to do the whole, you know, okay, you do this, you do that, you do that, and they plan out the scenes ahead of time. I mean, what what generally do you see among that those experienced players? What do they lean, what do they lean towards? And how do you deal with that or, or encourage it or discourage it?
7: Uh, it actually varies a little bit. If they have a chance to plan ahead of time, if they know they're trying to infiltrate a bunker or whatever, uh, they will plan quite a lot. And I usually underestimate how much time they'll spend doing that um, when they get into a combat round they will largely um, do whatever they their own characters would do um, they don't spend a lot of time saying hey you should go there hey do this um, they do a little bit but um, they spend probably a little more time on their own character saying hey I do a you know this move action I do this standard action uh, they do Get into that, um, and then uh, I was trying to think. The you know we do, <laughs> even though they're experienced players, you know, I still have the one player who is just you know increased his decks to an incredible degree. He's always the top of the initiative order, and he likes to shoot first. And, um, and they can almost they've gotten so that they, they pretty much plan for that. Um, he's also got the lowest wisdom. Uh, so so even though they're all very experienced. You know they still have uh, uh they're still players and uh, but they're you know they're all working around that and uh they all feel um really really uh happy when they actually get their initiative above his when he rolls poorly but uh uh and then we've got another character he's almost always at the bottom but uh you know they 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 work around that and and try and integrate that into their into their planning
3: nice nice well. <laughs> I mean and lastly I mean just segueing into it I and mean, we've 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 kind of getting into this area so we'll just kind of get there I really wanted to talk about um, some some gaming moments. Nope. I mean, some crazy, fun gaming moments with Saga System or other RPGs just in general. What kind of stories get passed around in Reminiscence or at a water cooler or maybe down at the Ram over a pint when you're at Gen Con or, you know, the the the, the crazy stuff
9: that... that... Skywalker Ranch. It's Skywalker Ranch, what kind of stories? You know what Stop. I'm saying? I mean, I, I could tell you I, I can't though because I'm under, you know, uh, Lucasfilm licensing agreements. I'll so, have to bring you. Know, you I'll have to bring two. you into the game. I'll have um, to bring you
1: into the game if you don't stop. The MCP says yeah. stop. <laughs>
9: <laughs> okay, awesome. All
1: right, I'm gonna have to hit you with my laser and bring you all into the game and ride light cycles.
9: Thank That's you, right, dude. And, and who <laughs> uh, is Tron. happy about this Tron 2.0 thing, man. How about that? Like, um, they dude. make a trailer. They show it at Gen Con. They they don't have anything greenlit. They don't have a movie. Nothing. They make a trailer. Jeff Bridges is in it. People go nuts and it's greenlit that weekend. How cool is that? That's <laughs> it? really cool. All right.
3: That's here, that's that's fan generated goodness, is what that is. That's that's people making an impact in the world.
7: You know that's, uh, that's yeah, the dude I, I like
9: abiding. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Jeff Bridges.
7: Here
1: okay, here yeah. is where we're going to begin to deviate from Star Wars saga. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna hit the last couple of bumpers, our outro, and then we're gonna go to daydreaming where we can talk about any kind of crap we want.
3: And I want to hear what Sterling has to say. He had something to say about Tron 2.0. Yeah, he does.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, okay, we'll lead daydreaming with Tron 2.0. How about that? Done. All right.
2: This is Fiddleback. And I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Or contribute, or guest host, or do my own podcast, or anything. In fact, this
0: isn't the podcast you're looking for. This is Vader's son, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Congratulations on making it one year with no one listening. GM Dave, GM Chris, this is Silly Rabbit719 from Colorado Springs wishing you a happy 50th podcast, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. Thanks, guys.
2: I'm Hank Hill, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast.
0: Damn it, Bobby. Hand me the dice.
2: D20 Radio, where gamers roll.
0: WWW.d20radio.com. This podcast and related
1: websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm. Wait. Stop. Chris, we, what, for, what, we, what? we forgot something. Collaborate
9: great. and listen. Ice is back with a brand new and something. Get a hold of me. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> God.
1: We forgot to say a couple of things that we always say before the uh, outro. So, with that, I wish you peace, love, and good gaming. Keep them dice rolling.
2: D20 Radio, where gamers roll daydreaming with gm dave
1: i think we need a new voice for that we need the voice of the emperor. yeah we need, we need, we need the voice a of good. the emperor yeah. right there welcome to daydreaming with gm
3: dave <laughs> okay tron 2.0 sterling you, you what were you gonna say
7: oh, i was just gonna say that uh i was a you know i always enjoyed tron and, and actually there was a tron a uh, video game uh, pc I game called tron 2. 2.0, 2.0 yeah. a few years ago which was awesome and it was a great game it, Yes, it was great. I loved it. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, they did a really great job sort of bringing Tron up into, uh, I don't know if that was 2000 or what year exactly came out. Yeah, because
9: the cool thing was that you were in the computer, but it was much later, so everything inside, it looked like the old Tron movie, but was way more sophisticated, and they they reflected that. And as a matter of fact, at one point, you actually go into the old Tron, uh, the old uh, mainframe from the original Tron, and then everything looks like original Tron. It was pretty brilliant.
7: Yeah, and they did a great job with uh, just the gameplay of it in that, uh, you know, you had your abilities uh, changed depending on what size of computer you were in. So a more powerful computer, you could use more abilities, but when you get downloaded into, like, a PDA at one point, you can do, like, two things.
9: Yeah, dude. That was a great game. I actually just played it. I I installed it on my computer recently and was uh, messing around with it. It's a very, very good game.
3: That's awesome. Okay, so what... What what computer games do you guys play, if 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 any at all? On, I don't play a... computer games.
9: That's for yeah.
5: that's for nerds.
11: Uh,
3: yeah, we, yeah, we, 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 total we games. don't play that, a darn thing. Rodney, do you do you have time to play anything? Do you play anything at all?
5: Uh, typically I have restricted myself to Xbox games lately just because um, that's where all the games have been coming out for that I've wanted to play. I've been playing a poop ton of Left 4 Dead lately. Oh, um, right. uh, uh, four player co op over Xbox Live is the bomb. Rodney, I need your gamertag, buddy. We gotta do this. I will send it to you offline. F yeah, oh yeah. Anytime you want to, dude. We play uh, we play a lot of Left 4 Dead. I've been playing a little Gears for, Gears of War, um, Gears of War 2. That is. Uh, I've got Rock Band. I rock the house out of some Rock Band. I'm an excellent drummer, if I do say so myself. Oh. I can play, I play on hard mostly, uh, but then also some expert. And uh, yeah, those those are pretty much my big time sinks as far as video games go.
7: Sterling. Yeah, well, I, I have to limit my game, my video game play. I actually have a, a number of problems where I uh, with repetitive stress injuries with typing. Oh dear. And so yeah, it's something I've fought for basically ever uh, since I since I was in college. But uh, uh, so I have to really pick and choose which games I play and when I can play them. Uh, I'm I've been doing better in the last few months, but uh, so I'm a big Half Life Two fan. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm currently still working my way through um, uh, Force Unleashed on the Wii. Yeah. Um,
3: it's so much fun on the Wii.
7: And uh, let's see. Uh, I'll probably get Left 4 Dead at some point, uh, but that'll probably be down the road a little bit. See, uh, Ronnie, sure. now
1: that you said Left 4 Dead, I'm going to have to go out and buy it.
3: Dude, it's it's awesome. I don't own it yet, but I've played it about half a dozen times. And it, it, um, it's... Oh.
9: Well, let's be clear. It's not that game is not uh, a single player game. You, you play it single player, and you're like, "Yeah, it's all right." You play it multiplayer, you're like, "Okay, this is the way it was designed to be played. It's the way."
3: But Dave, you're an Xbox Live junkie, so you would yeah. really.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm I, I, I will definitely. That's uh, that's one of the games. Yeah, I, I'm. What did I did I send you my gamer gamertag, uh, Rodney? I thought I did, but I don't remember now.
5: Uh, you sent it to me, and I have sent you a uh, friend request on Xbox Live, so next time you log on to your Xbox, uh, you'll see my uh, request. Cool.
9: You, you know what i got to say I love very much about the uh, Xbox Live thing is you can have a little picture, or you can use the Xbox webcam to have a picture of yourself in there. And yeah. uh, I, I just downloaded the um, picture pack for Force Unleashed, and I'm using that as my Xbox picture. And it works well,
3: <laughs> I think, uh, because, yeah. you know... I Just bet. Same. Oh, you punk!
9: Um, <laughs> Just saying.
3: Yeah, no, that's wow. good.
9: That's good. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, by the way, dude, the ranch. Oh, was so.
3: Oh, god. Okay, here can we go stop again, talking huh? about why we suck because we haven't been <laughs> to Skywalker Ranch? No, right.
9: it's not. Or, it's, or, not or you you it's not that you suck. It's not that you suck. It's that those that get to go are, you know, are awesome. But <laughs> the thing is. Uh, I ran into, and I think I said this in the last podcast, I want to say it again. I was at the ranch, I ran into the writers for the Star Wars live action series, and there was a very, very notable writer, whom I know, uh, a writer and producer, who is uh, working on the live action series. A very talented guy. In fact, maybe the most talented guy, uh, in terms of who's out there right now. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know if I'm authorized to tell anyone that he's working on it, but... Damn, I'm glad he is because he has kind of revolutionized a genre that I don't think is, you know, sometimes cool, but especially on television, not that great. And he did the best job at it. So, just really? saying. Well, that's just like,
1: saying. God, what that's encouraging.
9: Te- yeah,
3: it's encouraging, but it's still teasing. Uh- oh yeah.
9: Oh sure.
5: Yeah. Sure yeah yeah. Okay, and
9: then so- also, uh, and then and then like you know, Kevin Smith walks in. I don't know what the hell he was there for, but
5: ah. <laughs> I got. I got to tell you guys, I have been loving the new Clone Wars series, and I don't say that just because I am a corporate shill. Like, if I if I didn't like it, I just wouldn't say anything. But like, it's been exactly what I want my Clone Wars adventures to be like.
3: It's pretty good. Uh, I mean. I, I was. It, it's a heck of a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It, it's I, a, it's
5: okay if you don't like it, but I I really do. I think it's very cool. It's got the kind of World War Two feel to it, and you know, it's it's exactly what I want out of a, out of a campaign, right?
9: Well, let me ask you guys a question though, because I'm a big clones rights activist, and I feel like <laughs> the clones are are uh, shamelessly used by the Jedi. Uh, in this war, and the Jedi like to claim that they're, you know, on the more the, the side of moral right righteousness. But how can they do that when they run a clone slave army? Discuss. You okay? No, you, were no. talk, See, you were talking
3: to me about this, prior, but prior, you said you know you, you hated the fact that the Jedi would like in the Clone Wars cartoon, like when they're away from the clones, be like, oh, I, I respect each of you individually, and oh yes, I, I, and then you know, it's slave labor basically. Yeah, no, basically. No, no. See, I-
5: I actually don't buy any of that, and here's why. The Jedi were thrust into the role as generals, right? They they didn't ask for that. They were assigned that role by Palpatine, right? And Palpatine was the one that took command as Supreme Commander of the Republic forces. If anything, it's Palpatine that has put the Jedi in charge of these clones. And if you want to call it slave labor, you know, whatever, the fact of the matter is soldiers follow orders, and leaders of soldiers sometimes have to put those soldiers in harm's way for the sake of the mission those yeah, Jedi Rodney- they didn't ask for that they didn't ask for that role as the general right that's not their traditional role they were thrust into it because they were the most prepared for leading a galactic army out of anyone in the Republic
9: well if you're going to point the finger at Palpatine let me point this out Palpatine was was you know he was elected to that office okay he is Following, it's the will of the people is what. Oh, happened.
3: but he wasn't Palpatine. really elected.
9: No, no, Palpatine is, was elected, and he is he is the a fantastic uh, statesman. He's doing great things for the economy, and I don't, uh, you know, he is merely uh, following the will of the Senate, which of course is the will of the the citizens of the, <laughs> the Republic. So why don't you back off and point the finger somewhere else, man? You know what I'm saying?
5: Actually, I'm not the one pointing any fingers, sir. You're the Next one pointing thing. fingers.
9: Next thing you know, you're gonna be saying order, order, oh, whatever, sorry. man. Yeah. Mm.
3: All right, Sterling. So, uh, yep. dude. What weigh in, man? I mean, we really <laughs> what? What's your opinion on this?
7: Uh, I hadn't put that much thought into it. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, a, that's a the truthful, correct answer.
9: A truthful, correct answer. That's the only correct answer to this discussion. Really, the correct, you know, it's like triumph when. Uh, When he was asking, you know, okay, okay, so what is uh, the substance that Han Solo is frozen in, okay? Everyone's like, yeah, carbonite. He's like, oh, no, 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 I'm very sorry. The the true answer is, uh, uh, who gives it? Yes.
5: Yeah, that's good. All right. So, uh, with that rousing debate on clone rights and Palpatine and such, I'm going to have to bid you gentlemen <laughs> adieu for the evening. I've got to go get me some din din and uh, yeah, get ready for a fantastic day of working on Star Wars role playing tomorrow. Uh, Chris, you did say that you had a bunch of questions from the fans, like mechanical questions uh, that people had submit, sent in.
3: We do. We have we have quite a few um, uh, okay. email via the forums. If you. If you're if you're truly interested in taking a crack, I you know I don't mind. But
5: why don't why don't we uh, why don't we plan on doing another podcast? Uh, if not next week, then the week after, uh, oh, and we can just talk about uh, do, maybe do crunchy stuff.
3: Maybe the, the new book while we're at it.
5: Yeah, that'd be cool.
3: Awesome, man. Awesome, Ronnie, Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. This is really great. Thank why you. Very
5: certainly. Much. Ah, too cool. Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun, and it's great to have uh, Sterling and Sam here, too. So I had a really good time, and uh, can't wait to do it again.
3: Awesome. Awesome, Rodney.
5: Good night. Yep. yep. Good night, dude. Take it easy, guys. Later, Rodney.
1: Take care, Rodney.
3: Well, Sterling, Sam, you guys are welcome to stick around as long as you would like to. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
7: I can stick around for a little bit longer. Yeah, yeah I'm good for a little bit. Okay, cool.
3: Yeah. Um, okay, so... All right. Now, speaking of the live action series. Now, Sam, obviously, you you seem to be very optimistic about it, mostly because unlike the rest of us, you have a, a glimpse of someone who's going to be working
9: on it. Um, well, hey, I mean, that I'm, goes yeah, I'm a long ca- way. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, but he certainly has uh, some good talent working on it in terms of writing and stuff. I mean, uh, very, very good talent, in fact. Okay. Um, now, I've talked with some friends
3: about this, and I don't know. I don't know, Dave. You. Pipe in, too, man, because you and I have had some conversations about this. But, I mean, a lot of us said, you know, man, a live-action series, you know, like an episodic thing, could that physically work with the story? And, you know, it, honestly, it, in the dark times, which is what I, th- I think is being said, I think it would probably work the best. But, I mean, do you do you think just an episodic format is even possible in this universe on a, on a realistic basis?
9: Well, the question is, is it going to be more like Young Indy where and... everything – I mean –
1: where it sucks? How, Is that I mean? what you're saying? Where it sucks?
9: Uh, I never said that, but oh, okay. um, you I'm said not that. authorized to to share opinions. But the thing, I actually haven't seen enough of it to know whether it sucks or not, but I do know that there was a lot of production value there, and they were sort of, you know, in terms of the look and feel of it, it did look like little miniature feature films. I, it seems to me that, that that's the format they would be going after. Um, but really hard to say. I mean, it depends on... I've heard what what they think the uh, the cons. Well, I've heard what the concept is. Um, I don't know anything more beyond that, and I don't think I'm authorized to share what the concept is. But the concept itself, I'm like, yeah, you could you could do an episodic about that. Um, but yeah, we'll see. What do you think, Sterling?
7: Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I mean, we've got with the with the EU, we've had all these books and stories and so forth. I think it's it's perfectly possible to do an episodic. Um, have an episodic take on the Star Wars stories.
9: Now, what I again, the big thing for me is how far is he going with episodic stuff? I mean, are you going to have digital characters in an episodic show? How are you going to do that? Are you going to do
7: that's true? Are, now, now with the live action, yeah. How 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 is how much money are they going to spend on all that that stuff that they're That's could
9: do my yep on the move. That's yeah. my, that's my big question, and and my my suspicion is, I mean, the guy's got ILM under his roof, so uh, <laughs> I'll bet that. I mean, for example, watch Battle Actica*. Those special effects are unbelievable and they're amazing. And they, they uh, totally hold up if you project them on a big screen. Um, I shudder to think what George Lucas could do with his resources and owning Industrial Light and Magic and what kind of deal he might give himself financially to create that. So I think visually we'll probably see something unlike anything we've ever seen on television, is my guess.
3: That's a
7: possibility. Well, and one of the interesting things was, one, one of the things I heard about Clone Wars was that... Uh, uh, he basically said, Hey, I'm gonna make we're gonna make this T V show the way we want want it, and then we'll sell it to the T V networks. The networks didn't get to say, Hey, we think this is a really great idea or hey, we don't like that story. It was sounded sounded to me like it was gonna be like an all or nothing uh, deal with the the Clone Wars at least, and I presume that'll be the same. With uh, the live action series,
9: yeah, from what I understand, that's exactly it. They're he's just going to make the, clout the show. to do it. I mean, who,
3: who, what other filmmaker can can do that? I mean, seriously, can make so? You know what? I've got a property that I know will be a smash hit. It will make money for anyone involved with it. So I'm going to make it the way I want, and then you guys can fight over who gets it. I mean, why would you not do that? That's
7: <laughs> and and these days well, there's so many outlets. I mean, you you can basically go to. All these different cable networks. You can go to, you know, go to the main networks themselves. You you can find somebody who's gonna t- who's gonna want to have this show.
9: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is, is uh, what people forget about George Lucas is that he's an independent filmmaker. He just happens to be the most the, the most successful and biggest independent filmmaker of all time. He, the Star Wars movies weren't even union movies, or at least the the prequels. They were shot um, out of the country to you know so that they were non-union which to me is kind of mind-blowing but uh yeah it was shot like the last one was shot um at fox studios in sydney australia and uh he makes the deals that are that are good for his movie and and from what i understand for also for his actors and and does what he wants and that's Exactly what he's been fighting for for his entire career, and it's really fascinating that he's gotten there and so yeah, I think it's a, it's going to be exactly that he'll make the show and then he'll sell it because it's a property that people want
3: now now like you talk about it you say it blows your mind that you know there's no the, the, the lack of union
9: yeah
3: okay i'm I've lived in Texas most of my life unions flat out don't exist here okay and, and this is well, and this, is, they this do. Is what we call they, a will they, to work state which but, means that
1: but they uh, do i mean
3: flat out they can fire you because they don't like your haircut well, as true. long as it's not due to your 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 gender your, <laughs> your orientation your religion or your uh, you know, the color of your skin they can fire you at the drop of a hat you know and, and likewise you can quit contracts mean nothing so uh, you know t- it, when when i first i remember as i was growing up and i first got introduced to the concept of unions you know as a you know as an adolescent and and especially when talking about how they work especially how they're you know heavily involved in hollywood that that blew that blew my mind when i was young so
1: they just don't you know i don't want to get into union talk here but they just don't exist on a level that we understand them the allied yeah, pilots uh, association very much exists in texas yes, you it know does. i mean well it's there yeah and i actually Sorry. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I was talking about the Teamsters and all the other stuff—the stuff that we don't necessarily, you know, consider to be shops in in Dallas, Texas. You know, we don't have a whole lot of what Screen Actors Guild shops that are set <laughs> up in in Dallas. I mean, they're all in California and whatnot. And I think that you know, anyway, I don't know where I was going with that, so I'll just shut up.
9: Well, it's you know, it's a different thing when it comes to the film industry. But uh, I'm used to every job I'm doing is always union, always union, always union. It's interesting because from you know, George Lucas. I I don't know the whole story, but I know that early on there were some union difficulties with the Star Wars movies. And, and, you know, for example, the director's union going after him for $200,000 fine mm-hmm. because Irving Kershner's name as director, it didn't say directed by Irving Kershner in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Now, we all know the format of the Star Wars movies from, the, from, from episode four – Star Wars goes off into space, and then you get an opening crawl, and you don't get credits till the end of the movie. Well, there's a union rule that says the director's name has to be on the front of the movie, and they didn't charge George Lucas when he violated that rule for his own movie, but they tried to charge him when Irving Kershner signed on for Empire Strikes Back, and he was doing it, which is ridiculous. It, it's it's such a horrible, horrible, um, uh, just breach of trust when George Lucas is you know at, at the time one of their biggest members. Um, so he quit the union and I think he's had similar difficulties with other unions. I, I don't really know this, the specifics.
7: Especially since I think Kirshner didn't care. I mean, he knew what he was in for. Oh yeah, uh, Kirshner I,
9: was the I, guy yeah. who was like, you know, this is the way, the this is the format of the film. This is the artistic choice that we made and it's following a stylistic uh, serial 1930s from 40s thing and leave us alone and they wouldn't and they had the letter of the law in their hands. So
1: hmm. I
9: think he paid the fee and then and then bowed out of the
1: union. Yeah, that's a story well, I recall, too. Well, he's got the clout and the uh, uh, ability to give him the one-finger salute and say, see ya.
3: Now, yeah, now. Well, at, oh, you After mean? Star Wars, yeah.
1: Right. Mm.
9: The bird. What are you eating there? The finger. The bird. Is oh, the oh bird. I'm sorry. I'm, drink- I'm sipping on some miso soup. I just had some sushi. It was very Ooh-y. delicious. I'm, I'm working on, uh, on Jeremy Piven's disease right now, gentlemen. Working on it. Very nice. Nice.
3: Very fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Now, you you mentioned earlier you you were gonna have food ordered in. You 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 were gonna like came to the door. Are you telling me you had sushi delivered?
9: That's exactly what I did, my friend. We don't live in a place dude. called Los Angeles. You see what I'm saying?
3: We don't get that out here.
9: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh I I have uh three prostitutes in the room right now. Uh, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a there's a producer doing coke off the back of one of them. I don't personally do coke, but that's his his deal. Uh, and uh, Tom Cruise is in the other room uh, with a dude. I, I really shouldn't say that. That's terrible. But yeah, anyway, um, uh, <laughs> I'm actually working on a Tom Cruise impression. Oh well, um, you gotta, you know, get it on there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's. Uh... <laughs> I'm looking at the chat room. I'm not going near that. I'm not going near that. <laughs> um, I, I aborted my joke. Don't don't continue on, guys. I. Tom Cruise in the other room, and then I stopped.
3: Um, you don't want to get sued. Yeah.
9: So, but, uh, suing, I am, I am working on a Tom Cruise impression. I am working on it, and I don't know how well it's going, but it's, it's coming along. I'm working on
1: it. Does it have it's anything to de- do with Scientology?
9: That, that was what he was trying to avoid. Oh,
1: oh yes. yeah, okay. Did you not All pick right. up on that there? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah.
7: So, so on a completely different subject, uh, hey, Sam. Yes? Um, when you were working on Force Unleashed, how long did that process take? The uh, principal
9: photography, the actual shoot itself was about two and a half weeks, and that was a motion capture shoot where they did facial motion capture on us, and they captured the audio while they were shooting us. So the audio is actually from the actors dealing with each other and doing physical things and all that stuff. Um, and then after that, it was like a year, year and a half of just coming back every now and then and doing, we did a pickup, we did a few days, or a day or two with Jimmy Smits, and um, and uh, and then everything else was just sort of the the in-game audio. So I'd come in and see how the game was coming along, and then recording more in-game audio, and I'd go off. And uh, the Wii version, actually, all the audio from the Wii version was recorded separately. They we re-recorded all the dialogue. So it you know, as far as I'm concerned, you can hear that the actors are listening to each other in the Xbox 360 version. The Wii version, they uh, they needed. Um, separate audio which is also interesting because you get a slightly different take on the story different reasons say lines.
7: If the storyline is actually a little bit different in some of the um, some of the scenes I was really surprised when I was because I'm playing through the Wii version I went over and saw uh, some of the Xbox scenes from, at a friend's house and I was really surprised I expected there to be some differences but there's yes. some pretty big differences in yeah. uh, actual gameplay that I didn't oh, yeah. expect at all
9: Absolutely, yeah, there's, there's a lot of differences. Um, but it was a really fun process. I mean, i got to tell you, the Letterman the Letterman Digital Arts Center, which is on the Presidio, the new Lucasfilm complex, which houses ILM and LucasArts and Lucasfilm licensing and all the Lucasfilm corporate o- offices, it's an incredible place. You walk around and there's just artifacts from all kinds of movies that ILM has worked on and George Lucas has worked on. And there's an original ILM uh, optical printer, um, just sort of sitting there on display, I mean, and we 're talking like they did Star Wars on this, they did Empire Strikes back, they did return of the jedi on this on this original optical printer, and now it 's a piece of uh now it 's you know sort of museumed museum away, yeah exactly um but walking around that that uh that place is so unbelievably amazing and you go into the commissary you know their version of a cafeteria has a sushi chef and a view of the golden gate bridge it's unbelievable um and uh it's yeah no wonder uh no one ever wants to leave that company it's just really an incredibly pleasant place to work and i i loved every minute of it and uh i have my buddy david collins who also played Proxy, um, you know, he works there, and I get to go visit every now and then and see what they're up to, and it's really fun.
7: Cool. Yeah, awesome. So you you you've managed to stay involved um, with Lucas after the after the fact, then?
9: Uh, I have, I have. Um, every now and then, I'll send uh, an email off to. Uh, one or you know some some of the people that work with him are Steve Sansweet's a real sweetheart. Um, Mary Franklin is awesome. What's awesome about the people the the bigwigs at Lucasfilm is uh, most of them are Star Wars fans. And I didn't really put that together at first. I thought, well, they're yeah, the company line is we all love Star Wars. And I was walking with Mary Franklin after Comic Con. I was walking her to her hotel, and she was she said something along the lines of like, oh, you know, you've really you've really done a great uh, service for Star Wars and thank you so much. And I thought that was just company line stuff. But then she kept talking about it and she kept saying, Sam, no, I, I mean this. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Star Wars fan and I love what you did. And, you know, she kept going and I'm like, oh, oh, these people, of course, yeah, they're working at Lucasfilm. They really care about this. They think it's awesome. So that's a, that's a really fun thing to be around, a, a large occurrence of Star Wars fans and, and talented Star Wars fans. So that's really, it's really fun.
7: Did you ever meet a guy named uh, Pablo Hidalgo? yeah totally yeah totally. he was uh he, he was uh I, I first met him uh back in the west end games days he was uh one another freelancer he would do some writing and some art and so when i saw his name pop up a number of years ago uh as one of the guys running the starwars.com website i was like oh my gosh <laughs> he, uh, he he'd really jumped up there jumped up the chain at that time he was doing like the episode three stuff um you know, getting that stuff out on the out on the website and uh, teasers yeah. and things like that. So, yeah, he's a he's a nice guy.
9: Yeah, from what I understand, Pablo is uh, at least as as far as I've heard about. It, he was one of the first people to understand what I was doing with with uh, my screaming with the apprentice. So that the the apprentice screams in a very specific way. And I remember Hayden Blackman had some concern about it because he's like, well, you know, he's really tough though. How much should he should he yell when he gets hit? How much should he you know scream or cry out? And uh, I think Pablo, um, he said to uh, David Collins, he said, hey man, tell Sam, uh, he, did a, he did some great Harrison Ford screams in Force Unleashed. I'm like, <laughs> yep, that's exactly what I was going for. I was going for the, you know, and if you play that game, you'll you'll hear it. That that's totally what I was going for. In fact, we, we, we tried to get a lot of Harrison Ford in The Apprentice. Um, so, you know, without losing sort of the wide-eyed Luke Skywalker-ness of the character.
7: That's interesting because, like, at one point in the original script, uh, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo were one character for a little while. Anyway, so it's interesting that you sort that. of combined them in your character a little bit too.
9: Well, yeah, I mean, that was we talked about what this character had to be, and and we looked at the existing archetypes out there for Star Wars, and and we just sort of did a lot of creative combination of those characters, including I think we created this we <laughs> for okay, I, it's funny I was gonna. I was going to just preface this with saying, okay, this is kind of a dork thing, but I'm forgetting that we're all among friends here. Um, we created a, um, a formula for The Apprentice, which was he's, what was it? He's one part Darth Maul, two parts Han Solo, um, one part Luke Skywalker, and one part Indiana Jones. And it's funny, because and, and so they would call out names of characters when we did takes. They're like, you know what? Give us a, give us a Han Solo on this. Okay, give us Han Solo, but give us a little bit of Luke at the end. Okay, this is all Darth Maul. Do Darth Maul, you know? And we—that's how we how we did it. That's that's you know, I I uh, I looked at The Apprentice and I said, well, this is kind of a cool opportunity to tell a Darth Maul story because this is the way Darth Maul would have been trained. This is what he was like, and the haircut and sort of the the look of the character is somewhat Darth Maul like, aside from the tattoos and the horns. And so that was uh, that was foremost on my mind, and then bringing these other characters, I knew it was just a hell of a lot of fun. And, and the Indiana Jones thing, that came about because we were doing this this one scene, I don't remember which one, and, and we were, you know, Han Solo, Han Solo, and we kept going for Han Solo, and we were trying to get it, and it wasn't quite working out until David Collins goes, wait, 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 Indiana Jones. And then it, the next take was perfect, and it's like, yeah, there is a difference. I don't know if I can describe what that difference is verbally, but you feel it. There's a difference between Han Solo and, and Indiana Jones.
7: Yeah, now I can see that.
3: Dr. Darth Luke Solo Jones? That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's what full on, full on saying in the forums are. So, and see, and here I thought the haircut was strictly because it would be easier to animate. See, I didn't think, you know.
9: Uh... <laughs> Maybe it was, but I think that, you know, thematically it works well too because you have, in the Star Wars movies, you have protagonists who have blonde hair and a 70s haircut, right? Well, this guy has dark hair and dark eyes and no haircut. Yeah. So he's he's the photo negative of Luke Skywalker, visually and as a character and as and through his arc, he's he's the opposite end, but still sort of the same guy as Luke Skywalker. So you know you make him look, you know, you blonde hair, blue eyes, dark hair, dark eyes, seventies haircut, no haircut. So I thought it was I thought it all sort of made sense, at least to me, being a Star Wars geek. True dat. Yeah.
3: Very cool. Hmm. Interesting very interesting. Sterling. Yes. When did you get back from London?
7: Uh 2001.
3: 2001 and you were there for how long? Cuz remember you talking uh, about
7: to... about 15 months. Um Oh wow. Yeah, yeah, um so like I said earlier, I am an architect and for a number of years, uh I worked for a company uh that uh here in Kansas City that does uh stadium design work, uh, which was uh, HOK Sport, and they're they do all the major well not all but they do the majority of major league sports venues across the country and uh, a lot of facilities around the world and, and collegiate facilities that kind of thing. So I spent 15 months working on the um, Wembley National Stadium. Ah, I knew is... you were
1: going to say Wembley. That's awesome.
7: <laughs> so it's it's the yeah it's the big new stadium it finally opened. Uh, gosh, a year or two ago now. And it's got this big arch that goes over the top of the whole stadium, holds up the roof. Um, And so, yeah, I spent uh, 15 months there working on the seating bowl design of that um, with with a whole bunch of other people and uh, another firm called Foster & Partners, which is a famous architecture firm. And, uh, yeah, so that was uh, – it's been a number of years. I've now moved on to a a different company, but uh, – It's funny you guys are talking about football earlier. I also spent uh, a little over a year working on the Steelers uh, stadium. Really? Yep, I was one of the one of the uh, architects of a very large design team.
1: That's awesome. I went to that is incredible, man. The year before it was torn down. That was great,
9: Sterling. How did you? When did you start I mean how how do you find the time to do freelance writing when you, when you do
3: all this? <laughs> that was a question I asked the man when I first met him.
7: Yeah, it's uh it depends on how much writing is going on at a time. When I get these major projects like the uh Force Unleashed book and the Kotor book, yeah, I don't have a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. Um now fortunately the uh the the company I've worked with lately, uh for architecture, uh they've not had it not required me to have a, a lot of overtime, which can sometimes happen. And so it's—it used to be I was able to sort of plan out my schedule a little bit, try and try and not have major projects overlap. And so far, I've been pretty lucky the last couple of years to not have that happen. But I'm sure it'll happen at some point, and I won't sleep again. But <laughs> uh,
3: sleep, sleep is for the weak. Yeah, all, sleep uh, is for pussies, dude. I know. You get all the sleep. It it, it
7: also helps the way that uh, that Rodney uh, breaks up the books um, and uh, Wizards uses you know smaller some smaller chunks, although. Uh, the chunks I usually get are about as big as some of my old West End products. Wow. uh, That's that's been nice. But, yeah, time can sometimes be a factor, and and I really like the time in between um, projects where I can kind of catch up on the house and some other stuff. But one thing uh, is that with Star Wars, especially when the project shows up, um, you pretty much have that, that opportunity to do the project, and if you pass it up, it's not going to happen again. They're only doing one, you know, probably only doing one KOTOR book, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you got to take it when you can, and uh, um, I've definitely seen it go away when the when the with the old West End bankruptcy. So it's hard to say no. And my yeah. wife is very understanding. She's a gamer as well, and so uh, uh, she knows that i love doing this and and of course then she gets to use the stuff in the game later on so (laughs) that's wicked man
3: Uh, hey dude i mean i'm sure sterling you'll agree with me and and sam take this to heart you know when you ever do decide to settle down you rakish rogue you (laughs) (laughs) um marry a gamer it helps it helps a lot i mean
9: mean, okay how do you how do you go about that gentlemen because uh, you know how Okay. There's there's two ways. One, find one.
3: Two, convert one. I yeah. chose the latter option. It worked out really well for me. And that generally goes with finding a, a fairly attractive, uh, fun, often young, open-minded woman. Um, so like
9: a sixteen-year-old girl. Okay.
3: Not, not that young. No. But uh, oh, okay. You know, um, you know, or you can find an existing one. Uh, convention crowds, just marvelous.
9: <laughs> can I raise one uh, from from a small child? Only in Arkansas. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, and and I, 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 you know, and I, it, yeah. Okay. This is gonna be tough, guys. This is easier said than done.
7: Um, I yeah, one, My wife was a one, gamer when when I met her, so.
9: Oh, see, oh wow! There, there you go. See, uh, that's
3: just.
7: <sighs> she go. was actually already in one of the gaming groups.
9: Incredible, incredible. See that. Um,
3: that's something else.
9: Do you? So, so the couple of sta- that games together stays together. Is that what you guys tell me?
3: In my experience so far, yeah.
9: Yeah, Dave, how are you doing with that?
1: Don't no. ask.
3: Nothing? Dave's helping his daughter with his homework. Yeah,
1: just don't ask. Yeah, yeah. I'll answer that <laughs> question by saying don't ask. But yeah, I'm helping. I'm helping Taylor with math homework.
11: You know, I
9: gotta well, tell you guys. I okay. As as a a child of my age. My friends are getting married. Lots of my friends are getting married and lots of my friends are having kids. And um, the stories I hear from the front are pretty intense. They, um, they make it sound as if it's not that much fun. Can someone change my mind on this? Or, inf- or, or, or what? Should I just you know be single in L.A. forever? Because my God, my God, the things that I've heard, sound terrifying. What's
3: okay, are, are you asking about marriage or children? Both, man. Fill well, me but, in. Well, I, I mean, I can't help you on children. I don't have any yet. Um, but I mean, as far as marriage goes, man, it. You know what? You take the. I mean, Sterling. You, I don't know. Back, back me up, or disagree with me. You, you take the good with the bad. It, it's one of those things that. Um, all right. All right I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna. You know, the, the whole idea. It's better to have loved and lost than never loved at all. That kind of crap. Yeah. You take the good with the bad. The bad's going to come with the good, but the good's excellent, and if you want to experience any of the good, you've got to take the bad with it. And, way, hey, when you find the right person, you just know. Or you don't, and you remain a bachelor in L.A. for the rest of your life, which is probably possibly the best place to be a bachelor, so don't feel too terribly bad about
9: it. Right. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to explore what the hell I'm supposed to be, and I, I'm damned good at being a boyfriend, I would like to think, um, but when I hear... Dave talk about uh, being detesticalized or de-nutted or whatever he called it it's uh, it's horrifying it's horrifying because I, I quite like my masculinity
3: oh I'm pretty sure Dave wears pants uh, really his relationship yes but another thing about being married and I don't know I don't know if you do this sterling when you're married you take pride in exaggerating the flaws in your marriage. It's almost like, you know, kind of a badge of, you know, chutzpah that you wear on your chest. Kind of a, you know, yeah, I'm married. You know what happened to me last night? Ugh. So, I don't know. Sterling, what do you think? I mean, seriously, man. What's, what's well, the your- pos-
7: for me, the positives have definitely outweighed anything else. So, you know. I would
9: agree. Do you have kids, Sterling? No, I don't. Okay. All right, yeah, sorry, no, no help on the kids there, buddy. Sorry. And then, and then the so, guy yeah, that so does have kids,
7: Dave, hope, is the one that. I hope they answered that differently, but uh, not right now. Right. Yeah, right. I'm And the
9: then one Dave, the, kids, the, yeah. the guy that actually has kids, is the one that issues the warnings. So what yeah, does but, that mean? But but they don't. Well,
7: and, he, and he was the one that couldn't join in because he was helping with the, the homework. But, yeah. Um, what, what
1: what was what was that? I missed that entire conversation. That's okay. Uh, I'll go back. I'll it, go back and I'll listen to it on the podcast.
3: You can. And ironically enough, this is your daydreaming segment.
1: Yeah, I know. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how that? Yeah. Happens? Very yep.
3: funny. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Very Fiddleback still asking about Felicia Day, who we still haven't been able to get on the show. So you don't know her, do you?
9: Uh, I don't know her. No. Bummer.
3: Why would Sam know Felicia Day? Well, no. It's honestly California, a very small, it's, it's a small
9: world yeah. out here. It is.
3: Fair enough. Fair. Fair enough. That's okay. Well, fair enough. No, man. I I don't know what to tell you, dude. I mean, when you when you find the right one, you just you know, you you reach a point where you're like, you know what? I don't. I, I'm I'm fairly positive. I'm never gonna do better than you, and I I I care about you that much. And you know, that that that's when you do it. Whether she shares your passions or not, that's when you do it.
11: How about um, that. When you
3: when you say to yourself, you know, I I'm I'm happy. I don't want to stop being happy. I can when you can. For for me, it's when you can look ahead and see your life with that person, and that excites you. Then then you do it.
1: I'm pretty sure and that some... I didn't ever say, I'm fairly sure that I can't do any better than you.
3: Oh, you, uh, you know what I mean.
9: As in, like, you're the best person for <laughs> me. You know what I'm saying? So you look her in the eye and you say, baby, I am pretty fairly certain that I cannot do better than you. Let's get married, maybe.
7: Now, So I, this may not be the exact place to say this, but uh, my... Uh, wife, we we actually were really good friends for a long time before we started dating and before we got married. So um, the segue may not be <laughs> most appropriate there, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know we were you know we both knew each other for quite a long for, for actually for years uh, before we decided to change that relationship. Well so mm-hmm. that's there cool. you
1: go. That is awesome though. I see. So some of the best marriages friend. work out that way.
3: Find a friend, then make it a friend with benefits. Then, then you, then you girl. So
9: then, then get her to, into a game. And then, if the game goes well, then ask her to marry. Is that is that how it goes? Um. I, uh,
7: well, she was already in the, in the games. Um, so he's already. So set. no, actually, the funny thing is, you know, with my wife, I actually uh, knew her sisters better in high school. We all went to the same high school. Yeah, I just,
9: Sterling. You know what I'm saying? Getting around I, to the sisters,
8: and you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly,
7: <laughs> <laughs> anyway um then years later uh we sort of met up again with in in gaming and uh got to know each other eventually through that um another key piece of advice uh yes. long distance relationships suck so don't move to england in the um, middle of trying to figure out what you're doing right
1: word word Specifically England, but I I can go ahead and move to Sydney. Well, or
7: anywhere else. It's a long way away. Oh, okay.
1: All right. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. Just make sure. Copy
7: that. Copy that. All
1: right, chat room, go ahead and start sending us um, ideas for the... uh, I've seen a lot of them flash by for the name. I'm pretty sure we're just going to stick with the one-year Order 66 extravaganza as a name, but if somebody comes up with something that just blows our socks off... I like
3: one year of the big O. I don't know.
1: One year of the big O. Hey, that yeah, that's fine too. You know, I mean, I figure we'll cut this thing off at the three-hour mark, which is uh, four and a half minutes from now. Oh my God! Oh my, <laughs> oh my God! What? The what hell? am I doing
9: with my life, dude? dude. <laughs> and I have yet to take a shower today, so I'm you know, wow. I don't know why I need to bring that up, but I know, don't know that's why true. you had to
2: bring that up either. Thank
3: you. Well, no,
9: I just thinking, I was doing some stuff, I was building a computer, and then I took a jog, and then I had to do some order sixty six stuff, man, and now it's just like it's just out of hand, man. So you're yeah. sitting there your yeah.
3: computer reeking, basically.
9: But, yeah, I have computer components strewn about my apartment and I am smelling like a dog. A dog. A dog. You see.
7: Well, so still a couple hours earlier for you there than, than us. So. Right. Oh yeah,
9: I'm living in the past right now basically. <laughs>
7: uh,
3: right now I'm looking at the clock and saying to myself, wow, I have to be awake and
9: uh, in a car in about, oh, seven and a half hours. So, oh, so, cry me a river,
1: buddy. Huh? So, Mr.
9: I married a gamer. Mr. You know, yeah. when you find what you need, you gotta Every grab on piece. with both hands and, and hold never on let go. Tight. Cry me a river, buddy. Uh,
1: thanks, Otis. I appreciate that. That was great. What did yeah. you say? What was that? Grab what? on and, and grab on with both hands and, and hold on. that. That was Otis. <laughs> that was Otis from The Last Starfighter.
9: Oh my god, you're right, it was.
3: Dude, it yeah, was. Dude, dude, okay. That, 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 okay, that was the most obscure reference I have ever heard you give to anyone about anything. This is why I keep you around.
9: Okay, but speaking on the, the, the obscure reference, okay, here's my thing. Zur of the Kodan Armada, horrible leader, horrible, 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 <laughs> horrible military mind. He sits there. Okay. Now let's say that you guys were. Um, but, he had, but he had a scepter. Yeah, he but had he a did, scepter. He had a little knife thing. But let's say that, okay, you're a Zur, okay, and you were in charge of, let's call it a Kodan Armada. armada. Okay. okay. There's these group of guys, we'll call them starfighters, who fly around in these space planes, we'll call them starfighters, and they Gun could stars. blow the shit out of your armada. They could just, I mean, like three of these things could knock out 40, 50, 60 of your fighters. Um, They've got, like, two or three dozen of these things, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, they're protecting the frontier, and you launch a fairly brilliant strike destroying all of the starfighters. So you're like, oh, great, great, great. This is awesome, because one or two of those things could have, like, wasted my plans. But then... Then you find out that there is a last starfighter that may have disappeared to a planet called Earth. So what you do, you know, like what any dictator would do, you send a, an intergalactic, uh, you know, hitman, we'll call him a Zandozan. And there yeah, I'm making go. quotation fingers when I say that. Zandozan. You send a Zandozan to Earth to kill the last starfighter, right? And so then you're waiting. You send off the Zandozan. You paid money. And you're like, okay, cool. And you're chilling. in your Kodan Armada ship. And you're like, yeah. And then you get this message. Right from the Zandozan, and it says, "The last Starfighter is. What do you do?
1: Dead. I'd say the last Starfighter is dead. Let's go. Yeah, I know. You know, you'd think it that. You think that, and
9: that's the mistake that Zor made. You know what I would have done? I would have like been like, you know what? Let's hire 20 more Zandozans and send them to Earth, and just, just, just to make sure, because if one of these bastards slips through the cracks, my whole Kodan Armada is so much space dust, man. Because yeah. two words, Death Blossom." Death you know what and I'm saying? Gun stars Gunstar's um, ultimate yeah. weapon. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, so exactly. what kind so of
1: strings do we have to pull to get Lance guest on the show?
9: Oh, I don't know, man. I could, I could. Uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I could certainly ask him if you wanted to ask him a question. What would you have
3: that so man on the show for? I would enjoy meeting him, but why would you have him on because a Star Wars role playing podcast? Because it would That's be it would
1: be the same place we're going to put Felicia in daydreaming, just because of all the freaking last Starfighter references that have come up for one year of this show. That's but the, but
3: how long would the conversation be? At least with Felicia, we could talk to her about tabletop gaming. What? Yeah, that's true. I mean, seriously, how long? So you were in the last Starfighter.
9: Yeah. How was that? <laughs> was, remember that part <laughs> where like really cool. you know, you looked over and you said, "Go to sleep." You know, little brother character. That was fucking awesome.
6: <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, the whole Chris. It's back, episode, it, it, I liked it. Okay, that it actually cool. goes
1: back to sleep, Lewis, I tell mom about your playboys. That's how it goes. So. Oh,
9: I, I forgot. Tell mom about your playboys. I yeah. forgot. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. That's. Um, yeah. You know, you can. Did I, did I mention this in the last podcast? You can actually get the last Starfighter game online. Someone actually coded it and made a last Starfighter game.
1: Boom. Oh three hours.
9: That l- what, what's that? Uh, it was three hours right there when I said boom. Oh, nice. Nice. But did you hear about the last Starfighter game? Yes, I did. Dude, it's, it's pretty cool. And it even starts out, you know, greetings, Starfighter. You all been selected by the Star League. To defend the frontier against Zor and the Kodan Armada. Get ready.
7: Dude.
3: Only if I can get the actual controller, like, for, you know, not having to click and do all the mouse thing. Sterling, that might actually seriously help you out with the repetitive stress disorder and all.
7: Oh, believe me, I've got a collection of uh, input devices around here for... (laughs)
3: <laughs> enough to, enough to cobble together a gun star of his own, yeah, yeah pretty
7: much in fact, one of the I've got one of these uh sort of vertical mice that looks more like a joystick oh um, yes, there you go, awesome which I also use at work and, and they 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 like to make jokes about me flying the, the office around yeah
9: no wait, uh, vertical mice, um sterling, are you sure it's not a joystick
7: <laughs> oh, boy
9: I'm Ooh. just saying
3: oh. I, I, I prefer I prefer um, vertical. I prefer a vertical mouse. I think that's very you know, you know. Okay. Lack lack of joystick challenge. You know that's very. Uh, yep.
9: Yeah. Hey.
1: <laughs> All right, boys. I feel the
9: need the need for speed. The you know what I'm saying. For speed.
1: <laughs> All right, boys. I think we're. Uh, I think. Hey, we're who's at a point, who's. Aren't we?
9: Huh? Um,
3: Huh? What? Whob debug up? up? I just I was just Sorry, saying, dub, has anyone
9: dub, seen dip, Valkyrie? Isn't it is its it good at all? Valkyrie?
3: I have not seen it yet, but I had a friend see it and tell me it was decent, but he was upset about the fact that nobody even attempted a German
9: accent. Oh great. Well yes. yeah
7: Does anyone know how historically accurate it is?
9: Uh, no clue. Oh okay. It is based on a true story, and I am aware that I know Tom Cruise was actually there when that happened. Uh <laughs> in the true story. And, you know, it was something like, all right, let me get this straight. There's a guy named Hitler who wants to kill the Jews. Not on my watch. Help me help Jews. Help me help Jews. Help me help Jews. You complete me. How's that? How's that? Was that all right? All right. Working on it. That's good.
6: That's all you right, know what, what?
9: Show me the Nazi. Oh <laughs> show
3: God. me the Nazi. <laughs>
6: <laughs> all right,
3: we've got it. to wrap, gentlemen. It is late. It is right. late This has been awesome sauce extravaganza, Sterling. Dude, thank you so much for coming on the show.
7: Oh no problem. It's been fun.
3: Uh, always, always good. Oh, what was that? Nothing. Know. Nothing at all. Nothing. Uh, just dropping stuff on my podcast. Uh, Sam, as always, sir. It's been a pleasure
9: right on gentlemen
1: we'll see you back on episode 66 for certain if not in a couple of episodes
9: sounds good we should just make all
1: you right. our third code co-host and
3: yeah uh, let's do it it'd be three hour podcasts every week that's right every time
1: hey we're on every unlimited time. bandwidth now so we got it all right
3: good night guys gamer nation good night and
9: good luck good, luck. good night gentlemen talk to you later see
4: you